Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. We have a roundtable tonight. We have all of the um, Gamblers Anonymous or Draft Champions Anonymous, uh, the DCA, the dra- D- DCA, that's what we'll call it. Dra- Draft Champions Anonymous. We got John Fish, Jimmy Gable, and we got Brian Seymour. Um, how you guys doing? Good, man. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm, my name's Jimmy and I have a problem drafting too many teams. Hi, my name is Zach, and I uh, have an addiction to drafting, and it's caused um, some anguish um, after the fact in, in season. How are you, John? <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, I am terrific. I was a little bit nervous. Uh, my Bucks had a massive round uh, game number five in Boston tonight, and they won. So I'm a little bit, uh, I'm relieved and excited as opposed to being uh, a little bit down. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Congrats. Now, is well, anybody here, since we're, since we're at a, uh, an anonymous meeting, is anybody here to, you know, sell any product outside or something like that when we're done or accidentally sneak something in, or maybe you got like some extra drafts on hand or something? <laughs> no, man, I'm itching. I, I, I can't even do anything. I'm in Ontario. I can't even do it in my own will. I need to drive to like, you guys got like a safe house, like in the United States where I can draft. <laughs> I guess. I know, guess I, don't. Go ahead. Uh, I was just, I got to admit, I did a uh, underdog uh, football best ball draft uh, about a week ago. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's already started. I'm, so. I'm jealous already. I, I can't, I can't get into football yet. I can't do it. So yeah. Was, was that just Rick that I heard? Yeah. I, uh, I guess I don't get introduced anymore. Here I am trying to produce this, this show. And uh, I don't even get brought up, but I heard Bjorn on that goddamn episode from earlier today. He's just on right away. So whatever. How you doing, Rick? I'm, I, uh, I, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, um, you know, besmirch your name or uh, make you feel bad, but we we're really thrilled to have you on, on the show, producing the show again. It was, a, it was a learning curve for Bjorn. So this is good. It's, re, it's a refreshing to have you. Yeah. Learning curve to uh, say the least, but yes, yeah, good to see uh, Hollywood Gabal. We got uh, the Jonathan Fishman here as well. And of course, you're uh, pretty face there, Zach. So I'm very excited to be back. Oh, and I guess Thanks, buddy. Brian, somebody I have known as well. But uh, I've got some thoughts tonight. Maybe we can get there eventually. But it's just glad. I'm glad to be back. And oh, sweet Lou's here with me as well. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Tell, him, tell, right. him he's, tell him he's welcome too. He's, all, he's part of the family. You're all in too, buddy. All right. Love you. <laughs> Jesus. What? All right. So, uh, how, like, let's just let's just start. Like, get it right off the bat. Let's talk about draft champions. Um, well, how many? Let's start with Jimmy. How many draft champions leagues are you in? I know, I know the answer. And how many total leagues are you in? All right. Total leagues is I, I think it's a buck thirteen or four hundred and thirteen or fourteen. And DCs, I actually, I don't know that offhand. It's, it's 80. It's in, that, it's in that, it's in that sheet that I sent uh, that able, able labs. So able labs, shout out to him. He's doing amazing work. He sent us the, the, our reach around guys, which we'll get to. And it looks like you've, you've done 80 and fish has done 33. Yeah. It, it, it you know what it is? It's, it, I think I blame it on that, uh, the lockout because it extended our draft season just a little bit too long. Yeah. The DCs. Yeah. The DCs is what else are you going to do? Yeah, I think right? denial is the first step uh, in addiction, right? Denial. I don't know where that comes in. Yeah, for sure. So fish, what, how many, what's your, what's your final tally? It looks like you did 33 DCs. 
Does that seem yeah. correct? Uh, yep, 33 DCs and uh, 47 total leads. All right, I am in 38 DCs and I believe 106 total leads. Um, um, I don't know, like the breakdown, I'm in, I'm in about 30 fab leagues. Wow. I don't, Probably. I don't know how you do it. I'm in, I think seven fab leagues. That's, that's about my limit. Yeah. <laughs> Brian. What about you? I think I know the answer, though. But I'll yeah, this is the, I'm probably the easiest of all. Yeah, I'm just 24 straight DC leagues. Uh, so it is nice. It is pretty streamlined. And that was a goal of mine this year is to just really get streamlined with only one format. So it made draft season a little bit easier. And even though it can be pretty tedious, as you guys know, setting lineups, it is making that a little bit easier, too, this year, I would say. So, so you, 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 the, the thing with you, I think that's um, – dissimilar to me john and jimmy is that you had a plan going into it and you you adhered to it perfectly like i think you had two egg cartons of drafts that you wanted to enter and that was 22 dozen and you did it Mm -hmm. and then you actually finished them quicker than you expected um because you pretty much were done a couple weeks before the season started so you really didn't have the benefit of getting any shares of players that you might want it you might have wanted if um things sort of the market sort of moved were, did, were there any regrets for on your part in that in that way? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I <clears throat> that's kind of how I always am, like with the strategy or um, you know the selection of leads. I'm going to get in. I try to stick to it to a T because like if I mapped out a specific plan, I want to stay to that. Like no matter what, it did kind of frustrate me. Obviously, the lockout frustrated everybody, but it did frustrate me that. I kind of had to get wrapped up before the season started because I did want to have one or two bullets for like, oh, okay, Carlos Rodon's throwing smoke again in spring training or whatever, like just that extra knowledge. Um, but it also ended up with me completely dodging the names, the likes of uh, Casey Cha, actually. And that was not planned, but he, he's in quite a bit of the 400 DCs that I, I wasn't in any of them. So I don't know how that ended up happening, but yeah, it's, it was a little frustrating not to be in on like some spring training performances, but I, I was, I preferred to stay to my format, you know, with what I was wanting to sign up for. Right on. So in uh, two minutes or less, Jimmy, tell me what your, what your ritual is for setting your lineups and how long does it take you? Monday is just like about five hours. <clears throat> um, and uh, for the lineups, it's like, I, I read the ESPN forecaster for the week. It's like nine paragraphs. Um, let's just lay some things out. I'll take a peek at CBS sleeper, like hitters and pitchers, but that's really for like low hanging fruit for shallow leagues. But, um, we'll do that. Read the FTN hitter and pitcher planners and just kind of try to remember a little bit of Vlad's fab article. Cause he, I think he speaks a lot to the, the lineup setting for the week. Um, on Fridays, I, you know, Rob puts out that pull hitter pod for the weekly weekend matchups, which I think is super helpful. And also just to kind of like listen to the way he thinks. Um, I, I appreciate that. And then also I just, I look at the Rasball um, pitcher planner and uh, they're like streaminator and their hitter trying to try to like what I'm trying to pick between a player or two. Cool. Fish. Yeah. It's, uh, pretty simple. Um, I do about half my lineups on Sunday night after fab. And then uh, Monday morning, um, I, it's nice that I have a flexible work schedule where I'm able to, uh, you know, take, get, take, get the kids taken care of the, the daycare and, and the school. And um, then I get, get an opportunity to set the rest of my lineups. And then as the lineups are released, I have a notification on my phone to see who's in and out of the lineup. Obviously, I know, you know, looking at Rotowire, looking at, you know, certain things to see if players are, you know, if they're going to be out or not. 
Uh, so I have an idea, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get my notifications on my phone for lineups and then I'll use the, the player search function in the set lineup screen where I can just go in and, and, and take players out as needed. Yep. Brian? Yeah, um, obviously, like these guys said, Monday is way more stressful than Friday. But for me, I actually like to start Sunday night um, with the pitching side of things. Since usually like a weekly forecast for pitchers, I have a little bit more insight into like that the night before instead of lineups. Because you don't know who the hell is going to be like in a Monday in the lineup or there might be rainouts or something like that. So I kind of get like a feel for where I'm at with all my pitchers and I set them not in stone, obviously, but I have a good idea of what most of them are going to look like. Then like Monday, very similar, like how Jimmy said, I mean, like my, basically my day Monday up until first pitch is just in and out kind of, you know, setting them preliminarily. And then I find out, uh, for some reason, somebody's going on the COVID IL again, or um, this this game's definitely going to get rained out and blah, blah, blah. So it's really, it can really be like an all day thing Monday. And then like, as you guys probably know too, sometimes it even spills into early Tuesday evening if you get some kind of late news on somebody. So um, yeah, I think like if you're not doing it that way, then you're, you're probably not paying enough attention. I think you have to be kind of doing that all day. And then Friday's much more simple. Just, you know, obviously, you know, pitchers to worry about and just kind of doing the same kind of stuff with the hitters throughout the day. Right on. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty similar. It, um, I, I, I do it. I'm, I'm so drained from fab, to be honest. I'm, I'm not going to do anything on Sunday night. Um, yeah. And then um, Monday, um, Jim, Jimmy, how many fab leagues are you in? Uh, like 30. Yeah, same as me. So I'm pretty drained after that. Um, so Monday morning, I'll get up early. And um, I, I've got a flexible work schedule as well. Um, I'm usually in the office on Monday, so I don't really, um, it's usually, I can, I can pretty much push things around to make time for what I need to do. And it, it is a whole, it is like, for me, it's like a solid two, two and a half hours to set my lineups. And then it's probably just like tinkering throughout the day. So it's like, you're always like, you're going to spend like another like two hours in total, probably tinkering with stuff. Um, but I like what Brian said about the, the starting the pitchers first. Um, and then Friday's not as bad. Friday's probably like even easier, but in terms of Friday, it's like a, it's a smaller slate. It's a smaller slate. So the, the decisions are based more so just like logically, like, like if is a player sitting on the Friday, if they're sitting on the Friday and like they're, or similarly, like if they have a three day week and they're sitting on the, the, on the Monday and they only play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, max two games. So like that makes your decision. I'm usually just taking the volume in the, in these DCs most more than likely than not. And if somebody's like, like has a, a lingering injury, I'm, I'm like almost bird in a hand and uh, just play the person that's going to be starting. This week was a little bit different for me. There's two examples of that where I did, I didn't um, adhere to that. And that was Byron Buxton who wasn't playing yesterday and Taylor Ward. I ended up starting both of those guys in my lineups um, just because of just how valuable they've been. Uh, what are your guys thoughts on like the bird in hand? Like uh, just like you have that, you have the benefit of hindsight for that one day of lineups, but how does that, how do you usually, um, sorry, Lou, how do you usually play that into um, the other days? We'll start with, uh, we'll start with you fish. I wasn't talking to you. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, there, there's, there's multiple times where you kind of get caught with that Buxton situation. And I, I do have him in my lineup as well for the first half of the week. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of just an educated guess, right? Like you just don't know when they're going to be back. Um, now if they only have like a two game week or a three game week and they're out for that first game, if I have a decent option to put in, in place, I'll do that. But, uh, 
I mean, obviously, with somebody like Buxton, there's really not going to be anybody better, right, on, on your bench. So if he's only going to play two games of the week in the, in the first half of the week and, and you know, it's scheduled for three, I think it's worth it to roll the dice on that. But, yeah, you just kind of have to go off of, like, you know, kind of what, what they're what they're saying about him. It's kind of just an educated guess situation. Right. Jimmy? Yeah, I see, same thing as Fish. I mean, I think it's team to team, player to player, but like, you know, I, I just go back to like all these great players talking about maximizing at bats or innings and, and like, um, you know, if it's Buxton versus Tasuga or, you know, Yoshi, and it, they're each going to play two games, like you're probably going to roll Buxton. But, um, you know, that said, I made some questionable decisions myself this week, which I think we'll, co- we'll cover in, in main events. But, but um, yeah, I, I, I agree with Fish for sure. Brian? Jimmy, how much uh, Larry Garcia did you start this week? Probably a couple shares of my man. <laughs> yeah, Seth Brown. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking along the same lines. I mean, like, and I saw some people tweeting about this, and I do vehemently disagree with it. Like, DA suck. Yeah, we get it. I understand that, and I totally agree with that. So do the Tigers. Um, but, you know, they were both – I can't remember if it was both – of them were scheduled for five games. At least the A's definitely were between Monday and Thursday. I mean, you have to have those guys in your lineup. Like it is a better process. Now, not everybody. Um, I think even down to like an Elvis Andrus actually was probably a play because, you know, if you have him anyway, because it's like um, the volume of that. I mean, there are teams like Toronto, as you know, Zach only played two. I think the Braves only played two. I think Boston only played two. Like Elvis Andrus is a play over Trevor Story. Now that might not sound as funny right now because Story has been sucking. He also hit a homer tonight, which is kind of cool. I think that was tonight. But um, but yeah, I think that's kind of like missed sometimes. And and maybe people can't look at the bigger picture, but like I'm I'm totally with Jimmy on that. Like, I mean, yeah, you're going to take some L's. Like, I might look like a dum-dum for Trevor Story hitting a homer tonight. I have that. I don't think that's even a scenario I really have. But let's just say Anderson over Trevor Story sounds real stupid. Trevor Story hits a homer. The process at the end of the day is, is better. And that's just what I'm going to continue to do. But that's why Monday is so much harder, though, because it's like, do I play four-start or four-game Kyle Farmer over – two game Trey Turner like that's another one and I know a lot of people listening are probably like, what the hell are you talking about but I mean I think that that you know depending on the matchups Farmer's probably almost certainly going to have the edge there yeah and uh I guess it's different I think it's a different uh game in the DCs than it is in these fab leagues that, like in the main event right. because sometimes in these DCs that you're you're just the volume yields more dividends than like your ratios are and uh, those those superstars aren't um, aren't quite as a, much of a lock in these DCs. Uh, but then I also think back to what Guild said on, on my podcast when he sat uh, Vladdy Guerrero for that two game slate uh, last year. He's like, never, never, never again am I going to sit my stud like a studs even in the, like there, it, there's a love for me. There's a level of player like Trey, like you mentioned Trey Turner. There's no way I'm ever sitting him. He's not he's not hitting my bench in a two in a two game week. You, I could have said the same thing with Trevor Story. Um, at the beginning of the year, but guess what? Trevor Story is sitting on my bench in a, in a several leagues this this um, this slate. Yeah, just just because he he's he's like to me he's lost that he's lost that level of eliteness because of how because of how he started. Um, 
one of the big decisions I had um, this week, um, and I don't know if you guys, maybe Brian wouldn't have had this decision because you don't have a lot of Trevor story. I would, I believe because you were pitching heavy early um, two games of Trevor story or three games of Harrison Bader. That was a big decision for me this week. What about you guys? Is, does that ring any bells to you? Yeah. Uh, I, for me, I, I did start story everywhere, but that was because of lack of options. Um, right. I definitely, uh, I definitely looked into it um, for sure. I mean, he's been struggling. Obviously, I have uh, quite a few shares. It's one of my okay, congrats on the ding dong, then. Yeah, yeah, and to our RBIs yesterday, I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's worked out well, right? The, you know, to, to start on this two game stretch, but the way he has been playing coming into this week, uh, it, it makes total sense to sit. There was scenarios where I did sit him. I forget exactly what it was, what it was. And I know there was one, there was one Alvis Andrews versus story scenario. And I think I did choose story. What about you, Jimmy? Did you have any of those type of situations? Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of Trevor story too. I, I, I rolled them out there this week. I, you know, I'm, I'm so at, at this point, I'm just so terrified of me. The rebound, it's almost like, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm com- the guy, but I, you know, I don't think necessarily that's the best way of thinking, but also um, I did not have a lot of other great options either. So I want to bring something up. I'm looking at the overall standings in the draft champions podcast, and I've sorted by at bats and I'm looking at the top 11 teams in at bats. Five of those top 11 teams in at bats belong to Brian and James or Jimmy. It says James here, Jimmy <laughs> and so you have, um, Brian has, Brian is first, Brian's team, Brian has a team that is first overall in at bats. And then you also have a, a seven. And then I think Jimmy has, a uh, a nine and a 10, a 10 and an 11. And you're somewhere up there too. So you got, you guys have, a, you guys are well represented in at bats <laughs> and even going down a bit further, you see a lot of more, you see a lot more Jimmy Gables and Brian Seymour's like even down through like the top 20 or 25. So how guess, like uh, blood brothers there, some kind of <laughs> penis touchers or I don't <laughs> well, know, like the sloppy seconds. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand the sloppy seconds comment, but um, like, I think, is it, is it so simple to say, just like start your players that get the most at bats or is it more like, is it, it's, is it about the drafting? Like, I guess the, the, the simple thing would be start the players with the most games that hit at the top of the order that are going to play the most amount of days on their team but it's also probably there's probably a function of accumulating at bats that that um starts in the draft can you talk about in the draft accumulating at bats maybe we'll start with brian yeah i do think it's both i think it's the draft and how you go about setting your lineup like i i as you know zach i made like a concerted effort this year and really last year too but really really this year to like i mean i narrowed down my player pool pretty damn far, like more so than I ever have before. I probably, probably do about 50% of the field, I would say, maybe 60. And I just focused on guys who I felt were going to be on the field. And that's taking like health history into account. It's taking contract into account. Um, you know, not, as you know, I'm not a fan of taking like, uh, I think Rick calls them like the young, sexy guys or something like that. Yeah, the uh, sex pigs, <laughs> Or uh, yeah, whatever. But um, yeah, I, that kind of thing. I, I I'm more into like the steady veteran, and I think any good accomplished high six fantasy player would tell you that. That's not anything revolutionary, but I really made it a concerted effort to like I want guys that are going to be on the field, whether it's due to a bad contract like an Eric Osmer, or um, 
you know, great health history, you know, like a Francisco Lindor or something like that. So I want guys that are actually on the field and uh, yeah. And then whenever it comes to actually setting lineups, it's not necessarily just like maximizing at bats. I mean, sometimes it comes down to that. Like if a guy's playing an extra game or two than another guy, like I was saying, that's pretty important to me. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, when I'm setting my lineups, like I'm pretty degen about, like, I don't know about you guys. Were you able to get Mike Moustakis out the other night when he suddenly hit the COVID IL? Just barely, but I was yeah. walking my dog and I, you know, like you get, a right. it's like, thank God there's that search function on NFBC. Um, but yeah, right. it was tough. Yeah. But that kind of thing. Um, and, and you're right. Yes. You're like, Oh, okay. I just wrapped all this shit up. Like I'm going to eat dinner or go for a walk or whatever. And it's like, Oh my God, dude, how many moustakuses do I have? Or how many, whatever do I have? So I, I was just going to say, I'm pretty degen with keeping up with that stuff. Like I'll, I'll hang around and not go too far from the computer. You know, it's just whatever. This is the existence we choose, I guess. So, um, so it's that too. It's an addiction. It's an addiction. And then we're just, we're dealing with our addictions. There's some side effects like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, before we get into the reach around guys in a second, I want to talk about fab. I know Brian, this, this, um, this eliminates you. So maybe, I don't know if Rick's in any fab leagues, but what, what's your fab ritual, uh, Jimmy, um, um, on do you start on Sunday or do you start before that? I, I well, I, I mean, I guess I start Monday night cause I, I typically I'll go out to dinner and, uh, I, I review all the main events. Well, they're not all of them, but there's like 10 or 15 where there's like good clusters of like some of the best players. And I always review, you know, those same 15 main events just to kind of see um who's doing what I, I just who they're picking up who they're dropping you know typically the best players are always a week to ahead um so it starts there but you know then i i guess like moving through the week it's, you know I, I read vlad's article on ftn and what jeff zimmerman puts out as well and listen to a couple podcasts and and, and uh you know actually gecko's been putting out some pretty good stuff too about thoughts of the previous week or what do you think may go down the, the future week and try to put it all together? Yep. Um, Fish, what about you? Yeah, I mean, throughout the course of the week, I just I kind of put guys over that, you know, if they have a big game, I'll put them over. Um, if, if they have come into this, like, you know, more consistent playing time, I'll put them over. And then I'll, I'll really look at it on, on, obviously, on Sunday, like everybody else does. And I'll kind of narrow down, like, do, you know, do I still want them? A lot of them, a lot of them I just cancel off because obviously they've you know, fallen off or gotten hurt or whatever. But, uh, I mean, the main thing I do is I, I like to look at my actual current roster, see who who's expendable, like who can I get rid of, um, see how many guys there are, and then, you know, then I'll, I'll take a look at my team needs, what I actually need for my team. And, uh, yeah. And then that's how I kind of narrow things down for, for who I'm looking to pick up. Right. So for me, um, trying to, trying to keep this quickly, try to do this quick, but, um, throughout the week is not much during the week. Um, like for example, last week, all I did was I searched for, um, uh, Kirby and, um, um, whoever else was the, were the prospects that were going to get called up like Alec Thomas. And I saw, and I just, I just wanted to do that that one check to see if they are available in any of my leagues. So I'll go, I'll go to like the draft champions own own start percentage. And I'll look at those players that aren't typically owned in the main event. And I'll look at their free agency or uh, whatever it's called on that tab. I think it's called the free agency tab or ownership tab or whatever it is. And I'll see if they're available. They're not. That's, that's the only thing I'll really do. And there's so much fluctuation that goes during, goes on during the week that I really don't do much until Sunday. I'll do like nothing. 
So I'm just I'm just setting lineups during the week. It's all nothing nothing really. Um, Sunday I'll read I'll I'll read Vlad Sedler's article. Um, it's more of a checklist for me um, than telling me what to bid. And make sure that I don't miss anyone in terms of the amounts that he like recommends. I really not that it's not like good and like I think he does a good job with that, but I don't really I don't really use that to what for what I do. I will um, use it for like as a sort of like a a floor or a ceiling. Like if I really want a player, I know I'm going to have to go at least like more than what he's recommending. Um, like, 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 let's say like, like when Kyle Wright got brought up, he, I forget what his range was, but I just knew like, I didn't really care what he was like saying to put. I just knew I had to, I had to go over that because I know that Bring because I sex pig. Yeah. Like I, I knew, I knew that, um, I knew that, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. And I knew that people, everyone, like 75% of the people that play in these NFBC leagues read that. So I know I just have to, like, it's unfortunate. Like when he said to bid so much on Strider last week, I knew I had to bump up my bids, even though I didn't, I wasn't like, if I hadn't read that, I was sort of blind to that information. I wouldn't have really bid that much. And it helped me because I did, a, I did um, get him in some like of the 12 team leagues, but he still went. I believe that really influences the market. So I'll read that. That's what, that's the one thing that I'll really read. And then I'll go into each of my teams and I'll start with my main events in the big 15 team leagues on the Sunday. And I'll look, uh, I'll first, first of all, I'll go to my team. So I'll go to the set lineup tab and I'll, and I'll set my lineup for next week and I'll see if there's any like glaring holes. So if I'm going to be like missing a starting pitcher because something, somebody's got injured, somebody has COVID I'll say, okay, I need a pitcher. Um, and, or if my corner of, or I need a corner because Votto's hurt or something like that, or I need a catcher, blah, blah, blah. Right. So then I'll go, then I'll say, these are my, for sure. Um, these are my needs. It's sort of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and wants. Like there's my needs and there's my wants. So I'll, first of all, get, I'll get my needs. So my needs are, okay. I, I need to fill in a pitcher and I need to, um, I need to get a corner infielders. Then I'll say, who's on my bench that I, and then like when I, when I've set my lineup, who's on my bench that I can, that's expendable, like sort of like what Jim was saying, who's expendable on my bench. And I can, these are my sort of my wants. So I'll say like, okay, on my bench that like this past week was like, let's say, let's say Edward Alvarez, he's going to be on my bench. I could drop him for any position. So he's on my bench. So he's, he's expendable for anyone in the player pool. Whereas my lineup is set, but I still have like Michael Walker in my starting lineup. So I, so he, if, if I'm going to drop him, which I, I'm just using his, him as an example, I wouldn't actually drop him, but I'm saying if I do drop this pitcher, it's going to have to be for another pitcher. Or so my first claim will be like all my first string will be if I need a pitcher, but I don't have, I have eight starting pitchers tops. It's going to be only pitchers in that claim. And then I'll move on. My next drop is going to be safe for anyone. Um, and then after fab's done, after fab runs on Sunday, I'll go, like you said, I'll review, I'll, I'll review the fab. So I'll go into the NFBC, I'll go into the stats tab and I'll go into the player movement tab and then I'll sort it by um, not um, condensed, but I'll put it to full and then I'll sort it by team name and I'll look at what the players are doing. So I'll sort, I'll look at what's the robot doing. What's um, what's Weimer doing. And I know, and I'll, I'll look at their team names. What's Slack doing? What's Casey Cha doing? Dead money. What's he doing? What's Tyler Jung doing? All the Sox teams. What's Gecko doing? He hides it. He all his all his team names are based off of a money ball. So Chad Bradford, Billy Bean, Casey Bean. So you got to look at you got to look at what those guys are doing. And I'm, I've uh, Toby. Toby's like um, Batflip crazy, and he's got another team, Mini Mordeaux. And you want to look at Weimer and Rob because they all talk. They all doing they're all doing similar things 
that robot group, right? So you want to look at what all those guys are doing. And then I'll basically look at that and um, I'll say, okay, what did I do? Uh, am I, am I in line with like those players? I, am I not in line? And there's other players I look at, not just those. I'm just sort of spouting off random players, but that's about it. Any thoughts on that? No. Is there any? Yeah, I mean, for for me, I I don't look at what anybody else is doing. It's just I don't I don't care. I just don't have enough time to sit there and look at everybody else is doing. I just do my own thing. I I go off of what my what my team looks like. What do I need? Where I'm, I mean, it, it's still just a touch too early to look at the standings. I feel like I mean, I don't get me wrong. I look at it all the time, but um, to really worry about it, I guess. Um, mm. Unless obviously, like you know, if I don't have any closers or something, then obviously that's going to be an issue. Like I got to really address that. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't really look at what other people are doing. I just it's just strictly off of what my team needs. Yep, that's 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 fair. That's that's definitely a valid thing, Jimmy. Do you you said you do you do look at what the what the other players are doing though? Yeah, I I, I just like the, 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 there's a handful of guys that always seem to have the jump on everybody and. Um, yeah, I, I just I find it helpful to try to try to keep up the, the picture of what they're what they're doing. And, you know, it, it helps me. Um, it it kind of like waterfalls down, you know, like, you know, you see what the best guys are doing in the main event. And then like, you know, maybe like a, a 15 team satellite is not as competitive. So like you can apply what they're doing there and then, you know, you can apply it down further to like a 12 team satellite. And it's it just for me, it's helpful. Right on. Um let's let's look at the reach around so let's look at the reach around players and able 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 labs what's wrong with you rick oh just uh that reach around term you know reach around guys well well i don't know if you're familiar with what a uh what a reach around is in the sexual uh sense but what it is is if you're um you know maybe you are uh, your, your penis is uh you know Ooh, ooh, <laughs> honey, will you stop? I'm just trying to tell the man what. Stop. Okay, somebody's a prude all of a sudden. I, uh, sorry, boys. Uh, you know, go ahead. I. Well, we're talking about, about re- like reaching, as in terms of taking a player um, before their average uh, position when they were dra- p- position when they're drafted, um, and reaching on that. So drafting them earlier and able labs So able underscore labs, give them a follow because they're coming out with great um, information every day. Uh, really interesting nerd information about these draft champions leagues mostly. And uh, I was able to DM him, her, I don't know the pronouns uh, okay. and, I, and asked him about the, the, the reach around players uh, who were John and Jimmy targeting. So I'm looking at John's teams. His biggest reach guy was Phil Gosselin. Um, I don't think I even really paid any attention to him, but you have him on 23 of your 33 teams and you have a heat, like your reach was 51, uh, ADPs. <laughs> is he doing anything? No, I mean, <laughs> this is like the, you know, late forties, even 50 around, uh, DCs. Uh, yeah, some, some of these don't really tell the story because when you're doing it, like these, the ADP shifts. So like the, it was a reach at one point, but it's a, it's a reach, like, maybe in March, whereas it wasn't a reach in, in October. Yeah. I mean, bottom line with him is he plays eligible at three positions. Um, you know, when you're, when you're that versatile, you're able to, you know, slot into a lineup just with, with injuries here and there. So 
He's obviously has, hasn't played yet, but I think he's in the Braves minors, I, th- I believe, right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, listen, bottom line is if I had a team rolling out there and I have him in the lineup, the team's probably already done. But, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where if you're, if you're that versatile, you can, you can always – yeah, you know. sure, I'm sharing the screen so you can see it. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, you, you have a spider neck tattoo as your second most reachy guy. 15, 15 Vladimir Gutierrez. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, obviously I haven't started him anymore, I don't think. I hope not. Yeah, he's, he's, he's been real bad. He, and he's, 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 sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, he's another one. Like if, if he's, if he's entering my lineups on a regular basis, it's uh, not, not good. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those guys I knew he was going to be in the rotation. So it's just, it's, it's just another arm stockpile. So. Yeah. Um, I, he's also annoying because when I'm searching for what players are doing in player movement, I don't like when Vladimir Gutierrez is, um, is being added or dropped because it makes it very hard to find Vlad Settler, what he's doing because it's Vlad gut. Gutierrez. So I'm like, when I'm searching for Vlad's, I'm like, Vlad's actually one of the other guys I look at what he's doing. And um, I'm like, I'm searching for him. And I'm, I'm always coming up with my control. My control C is always coming up on fucking Vladimir Gutierrez. Like, I don't care about Vladimir Gutierrez. I want to see what Vlad Settler's doing. Um, but that's a, that's a side note. Um, another guy, you have a lot of uh, Glenn Otto. And I think um, Jim, uh, Jimmy, you have a lot of Glenn Otto too. Yeah, I mean, on honestly, like this is just a guy. Like once the season ends in November, man, I, I forget about half the player pool. So like when we like pick up these early drafts again, and like maybe December, January, and you just see a lot of the the top, you know, fantasy managers all targeting the the same guy, and it's like like oh, I remember Glenn Otto, and like you know he had a great first half last year in the minors. He had a couple like double digit strikeout games, and it's like yeah, you know, for for a late guy who may get a rotation spot, like Fish said, like why not? Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I got a couple of shares of him. Yeah. Fish, you, yeah. you, 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 got, you got barred a lot. Yeah, uh, uh, let me barred. just touch on Otto real quick. So oh, sorry, go ahead. One of the main reasons on Otto is obviously that rotation is horrendous. And uh, last year at AA, he had 103 strikeouts in 65 innings. So that elite strikeout potential, I know he did. I think he, I'm pretty sure he uh, made his major league debut last year. So He's already been, he had already been up. So I just thought it was a good opportunity. It's pitcher's park uh, to, to take a shot on somebody like that. And that's, that's why I loaded up on him. Uh, but yeah, Daniel Bard is uh, one of my most rostered players. It's just basically my strategy this year was getting one elite closer or make an attempt to get at least one elite closer. And then just a bunch of spec guys after that. And Bard, Bard checked the box for me. Um, everybody looks, oh, he sucks. He's the ERA is whip. But guess what? So does every other pitcher in that bullpen. He closed last year. His strikeout numbers were 80 strikeouts in 65 innings. So he throws hard. It's just like, it's one of those things. I'm pretty sure uh, Bud Black came out and said that he wanted a, a strikeout pitcher as his closer. So basically that crossed off column A for me. And that's why I ended up with a ridiculous amount of shares of Daniel Bart. Right on. Um, so you also have Baby Goat. A lot of him too. I just I just noticed that. Jimmy Miguel. Yeah. Slap Dick Jimmy or whatever. It, uh, he got blown up tonight. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. Another Mets pitcher sucks, right? <laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, then we can move on from that. But yeah, so it looks like Bard and Ian Kennedy were your main targets fish in terms of like that secondary closer for spec. And Melanson got his ass handed to him today. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I know actually, I think Jimmy, uh, we'll, uh, we'll pull up yours afterwards. I think you were pretty heavily invested in Ian Kennedy as well. So you're both, uh, you're both in the Ian Kennedy business. Um, I had a lot of, yeah. I took, I took him a lot too in, um, in some of these leagues, but I dropped all of the shares in the fab leagues. Yeah, this was this was strictly a, a draft champions play for me. Um, I really thought that he was going to sign somewhere yeah. and actually be the closer. And yep. yeah, once he went to Arizona, I was like, well, he's not going to be the closer initially. But at least if there's going to be anybody's behind being behind Melanson is the, the best case scenario. So yeah, I'm hoping that Melanson does fall apart. I think I only have like one or two shares of Melanson. So, and he's his last two outings have been horrendous. So, let's uh, let's let's cheer for Ian Kennedy. Grab that closer role. Amen. Yeah, I think I have more, definitely more Kennedy than Melanson. Not much. I think I might have one or two Melansons. Brian, you didn't. Yeah, but Melanson was just going so early compared to compared to Kennedy, right? I mean, and obviously a lot of my shares with Kennedy came before he signed with Arizona, obviously. So. Uh, but yeah, Melanson is just, I mean, we all, we've all been kind of waiting for him to fall apart a little bit. Uh, his, I mean, his strikeout numbers weren't completely awful last year, but they weren't really elite either. And, you know, he's just kind of get up there in age. So, and also just being on Arizona, like, you know, you're not, you're not sure how many, you know, save opportunities he's actually going to get. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the draft cost was just a little bit too high for me with Melanson. Uh, I think the only share, one or two shares I got him were like, eighth ninth round right on yeah um i'm assuming brian you didn't get much melanson you were targeting your closers early early you had to you had a very uh specific formula i did get a couple melanson believe it or not but only enough to be it's like i mean it's like sub 10 percent ownership but uh i mean yeah he i'm not really he, he could definitely lose the job obviously i mean we all know his skills aren't terrific but he's just another one of those guys like john talked about with uh, uh, Bard a little bit ago that I just was like, hey, he's, I mean, you can't really deny it thus far. I mean, there's been no part outside of performance where Melanson was not going to be the guy. You know what I mean? Like they were definitely going to use him as the guy. Today was the worst, I think, outing for him yet. Um, I'm confident he probably still gets the next shot, but hey, I've already got a handful of saves from him anyway. Um, you know, and I can't imagine the D-backs are just going to claim one guy as like their closer if things start to shuffle up, you know, so it is what it is. I'll probably have to take a little bit of an L on it, but I don't have too much of them. Right on. So I'm looking at you, Jimmy, looking at your, um, reach, uh, table that, uh, that Able Labs have sent me. And this is, this is, this isn't going to tell me, uh, your, all, your full ownership percentage, but this is quite telling. This is fascinating and fascinating to me. Last mm-hmm. time you came on, you said you don't want a watered down drink, and I could tell um, mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't want a watered down drink because you got out of eighty out of eighty leagues, you got nineteen Garrett Cole, and you have thirty six Dylan Cease and mm-hmm. thirty four Alex Cobb and nineteen Aaron Nola. So mm-hmm. you those were your pitchers, it seems, mm-hmm. and you were getting those guys, and and good for you because Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole, Dylan Cease looks fantastic. Aaron Aaron Nola, he's I, I'm not concerned with him right now so just looking at that you must have been really really heavily targeting those four guys no yeah i I mean but you know the the bartender that made me that concentrated drink is uh 
a bit of a prankster because I think he put some pubes in there too, man. Because there's some uh, there are some <laughs> blow ups <laughs> along the way. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I just thought Cole was just leaps and bounds just based on his track record or ahead of like all the other first round pitchers. And I had so much luck with him last year um, on those teams. They just found a lot of success. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, Cobb, it was just like, you know, he flashed last year. It was a matter of health. He goes to San Francisco. Um, and, uh, you know, that made sense. I think everybody was on season all all draft season and that was just kind of like a a breakout that most folks called and um i mean the rest of a lot of these guys were closer dart throws you know like um i'm looking at you know like a tapera um he's not up there too much but like a lot of like column a uh you know those didn't really work out boxberger same deal uh you know, Taylor Walls was going to get multi-position eligibility, which is just like, and that's one of those those ones. If if you, I was listening closely to a podcast, and you know, I think during draft season he only had like one position he was eligible at, but you know, you hear these guys say he's going to be moved all over, and and you know, not, I don't think too many people were were keen on that, so that was a nice nice little pickup, um, and that's kind of worked out pretty well. But of course, there's a bunch of others that are duds. Yeah, so that Taylor Walls, like you had him at, at an average pick of five thirty four ADP. That's really good. Um, and just looking at looking at this, you have fifty eight shares of Ian Kennedy here at an average pick of two ninety four. So you and then it shows your min pick was two sixty two. Um, yeah, my, but, but, my, but a lot of these reaches, like like the Boxberger and Tapera, those were you were taking them at a normal point early in draft season and then they just seem like a reach because their ADP fell. So they're, it's basically, you're diluting the, yeah, yeah, you're diluting your little um, concoction here. For sure. Doesn't tell you the, doesn't tell you the full story. Um, Yep. Just, just scanning it. Like Alex Cobb, you got him at an average pick of 227, which is pretty early, um, but (laughs) it's still a a worthwhile risk. The only really, really big bomb I see here is the um, Eddie Rosario, 47 shares, but. Uncle Eddie. Yeah, yeah, that's not that's just unfortunate, right? Yeah. With what happened. Yeah, I feel like a lot of those um I targeted a lot of those kind of like power speed guys, like you know, like 25, 10 guys, or I don't know, 2010 guys, like in like the 100 to 200 s And you know, they just haven't really panned out. And um, you know, Toby Baflip was saying the other night, uh, like last night on his podcast, something just like the, the 15, 15 guys are the guys that are being penalized right now the most by, uh, you know, the humidors or the current ball or, or basically he was saying like they benefited the most from the bouncy ball. Um, so that one, that one hurts. And plus he's, you know, hurt or with the, the eyes, but. Yeah. Hopefully he's back. And the good thing, the good thing about that is having him on a DC is better than drafting him in a, yeah. In a fab league where at least you can, you can stash him away. Yep. Um, yeah, other than that, um, yeah, it's who who like those are the reaches. Who are your most owned players? Like actually, um, like uh, Jimmy, are, are they on this list? Uh yeah. So it's it's a lot of um, Ian. Like, let me pull it up. It's like Ian Kennedy. Well, this is your most owned player here is Ian Kennedy at fifty eight. But you yeah. have anyone like that's that, that was on your reach reach around guys. Sorry, earmuffs, Lou Bob and Rick, but. <laughs> 
The woman takes her hand, Blue, and what she does is she cups your balls. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Am I, that is right, boys, right? I haven't had one of them in a, maybe since my college days, but... Does it have to be your balls? I don't know. I guess it could be the shaft. Or you, <laughs> I don't really... Uh, no, like... Honey, will you stop? Okay, so sorry, Jimmy, to... Jimmy, Jimmy. Uh, who, do, you have, do you own anyone more than Ian Kennedy? Pavetta. Pavetta. I own the most of 72 shares. I, it just was kind of like a gamble on strikeouts on a decent team, get some wins. Um, from the list down, it's like Kennedy, Nelson Cruz. I always thought he was underrated. Alex Cobb, Christian Walker, solid guy in the middle of the lineup. Cease, Tasugo, DJ LeMahieu. Right on. Yeah, Pavetta. Fish, were you on Pavetta? Uh, I was last year. I had a ton of Pavetta last year. I didn't. Uh, I don't. I only got like a few this year, though. Not not too many. I got a lot of them in these DCs. I'm always the same way. And where he was going, like at first, like 350, 375, then his ADP got moved up a lot. But for me, that was a for me personally targeting him was more of a function of like what fell off the map in these DCs, like for like the injuries that 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 came up there, um, and the players that got started to get moved up, like Ian Kennedy started to get moved up. Um, Alzale got hurt. Sixto, like Sixto and Eliezer were there. They started to get hurt. Lazardo got moved up. Um, mm-hmm. What's his name on the Nationals? Um, Josiah Gray. Yeah, they all started moving up. Where like you could be getting those guys like around pick three hundred to three twenty. They started moving up, and players started dropping off with the injuries. And then Pavetta was like the next best guy that should slot in there if you're gonna if you're gonna if you need to fill in a pitcher spot. Sometimes I'd have seven pitchers at that point and I needed the pitcher and then Pavetta, even though his ADP was like 350, he just was the next guy up for me at, at that point. Whereas in hindsight, like, I guess we can start talking about hindsight. Who could, have, who should we have taken? Like where was Lauer and Cortez going? Right there, like 300. W- w- weren't they just, I feel like Cortez and Lauer were just sitting there and every, I just looked past them on every draft. Oof. So did I. I, I, I didn't look past them. I like, I, I liked them. Yeah, but I just yeah. like I was prioritizing. Like I need to get who was like who like that in that range. Who was like Pavetta was one of those guys that I regret passing on those guys for. And it was like Tyler. Well, Tyler Nakin Naquin was one of those guys that I really liked around that range. Um, who else was there? Like around, who was I? Pat? Like it was it was for me it was Lizardo. Uh, mm-hmm. I was always grabbing Lizardo, and um, yeah, he was a big one. Lizardo and Pavetta were big for me there. Didn't you like Haney a lot too? Yeah, I liked Heaney, um, but he, yeah, he was a guy that I took there as well. I forget, but he, but his range fluctuated so much. Like there yeah. was times near the end where he had to take him much earlier, mm-hmm. um, and then there was times where he would be. Yeah, no, you're right. He was he was in that range too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I got a lot of Lauer. I got uh, 13 nice. shares of Lauer, including both 1K DCs and three of the four honeys. Oh, beauty. Let me, let me ask you guys, let me ask you guys, where did the Lauer thing come from? Like what, what was his ADP and was, I, was there like anything going on with him over the off season that I just totally missed like little news or anything, like anything to expect at anything that what we're seeing right now? Yes, there was. I mean, I, did did you ahead, expect go, go, go these ahead, were, 
Well, I was just going to say, I, I don't think anybody could have expected these results. I mean, right. this has been, you know, pretty, pretty insane. Um, but what I did like about him is uh, just like, I'm, I'm a big, I, I love looking at like, I love looking and targeting players with low whips and he had a one, one, four whip last year. And that just, that, that's, that's perfect. I mean, where he was going, like I, I didn't need the elite strikeout numbers because I target a lot of pitchers early for my for my elite strikeout. So I was just looking to kind of backfill my my roster. I'm not always trying to hit a home run, although he has been a home run for me so far. Um, but I just want like stabilizers essentially at the back end of my rotation. So I, I like the ERA, the WHIP. Um, I, I felt like the Brewers, you know, they have a, they have an elite bullpen, so wins can be there. Um, and I, I felt their offense would be much better. So, yeah, I mean, that that's main, the main reasons why I was targeting him. So for me, it was um, a lot of things. Um, I worked on this um, mix and velo change uh, chart with uh, Graham. Um, some point in Tramp. maybe, yeah, with Shrimp. In, in some point in January, February, I started draft season without it. And then I started, and then this made me get on certain guys. One of the guys is Walker, but I'll talk about Lauer. So, in the last part of 2021, um, like the last two months, um, he had a total pitch mix change. He um, laid off on the fastball. He increased his slider percentage by 6% and his curveball percentage by up by 11%, which was a pretty, pretty big pitch mix change. Um, started uh, for a reference that was top 30 in the majors uh, for increase in slider. Uh, in terms of velo in the last two months, his slider, his slider velo, which is important, went up by a mile per hour, and his fastball was up by a half a mile per hour. And, to, and then did that translate in peripheral changes? His swinging strike percentage went his swinging strike percentage went up two point five percent, which is big in the in those last two months. And his K minus walk increased by seven point five percent, and his xFIP was down by over half a run. So Lauer hundred percent did pop in that on those charts. Other guys that popped on that chart I've talked about are um, Eric Fetty, Michael Walker, um, um, Patrick Corbin was on there, but he's just a guy that I didn't um, really pay much attention to. Emmanuel Classe was a big uh, riser there. Um, um, but yeah, Ben uh, Chris Dubik is a guy that I targeted a lot um, in that. Um, and then there was, there were some studs like Dylan Cease, Alcantara. So no, uh, Lauer was definitely someone that like I did have the access to something that would tell me to draft him, but I just didn't. I don't. It's hard to explain. Yeah, yeah I guess Bubich is another guy that I have a lot of shares of, and I started him for the okay. first game, and then he's been on the bench ever since. Uh, so can figure it out, but I don't know. He might be a lost cause this year. So is he in the bullpen now? I think they moved into the bullpen. Or minors, he's not in the rotation anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess with the Lauer yeah. thing, I was just going to say with the Lauer thing, like how I missed it. Maybe I, I forget where his ADP was, but like, I don't know. I th I'm assuming he was going late enough where I was just looking for more like surefire innings at that point, and just knowing that he, I mean, my recollection anyway, without pulling up a Fangraphs page, is that he was kind of more of a swing man last year. I know he started a lot, but he, you know. I think he was kind of in in some optimal scenarios. So I think I was probably afraid of like what the bulk, you know, what the load would be from him. The load. Christ. Saw that one coming. <laughs> Brian, who are you? Who's right, your, right. Who are your most owned players? 
do I, I probably should know this. Um, uh, Harrison Bader. Got a couple jokes coming here for you. No, Harrison Bader is no, well, he's, I forget what his percentage is. Let me. I'm just figure. I just figure you're Homer, all Cardinals. It's going to be a Bader, Edmund, Arenado, O'Neal. Right. right. Yeah. I'll, no, I think that's Gall- just Gallegos. Just, just kidding. What? I think that's just Dodger and Met fans that do that. Um, from what I see, typically. And, but, and, Tiger, uh, and Tiger fans, probably. And Tiger. With yes. uh, Channing Tatum, Badu. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you know, the, uh, there is the Tatum effect. Yes. And we've got that. We've got the Steve Buscemi. And, you know, if I have a chance later on tonight, I'd like to, to speak on that maybe a little bit more if I could. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. We don't, <laughs> we don't, we don't censor anything. All right. Let me pull up uh player shares here. So my number one owned player drum roll, please is uh Colorado Rocky Antonio Senzatella. So yeah, 71%. Um, have not rolled them out there yet. I have a feeling I may never, but uh, yeah, that's, that's my number one owned guy. Um, I'm glad for you that you haven't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's going to make sense too often. I think it was just, you know, he, he was going, I don't really talk about him, but he was going so late like after 600 and for the innings he was going to throw, even though they're going to be, you know, putrid innings. Uh, it just seemed like, meh, whatever. Um, Cole Irvin was my next up starting pitcher. I have him on 62%. So I was actually really pleased with that because of the uh, reports of increased velocity and he was looking decent results wise so far, far before he hit the IL. That's starting to look pretty bad though. Brad Keller's way up there for me as well. Um, number one owned hitter is David Peralta. Um, just one of those guys where, where he was going, he to me was becoming like the last bastion of like, okay, I'm pretty sure this guy's going to be an everyday outfielder. Then I started to hear the news about him tweaking his swing a little bit and stuff like that. I thought I was really hoping for anything for him, but like, if this is a guy that I can always count on to get in my lineup, if I need somebody, you know, I, there were people being taken over him. Like, I think people were taking like Tyrone Taylor and stuff like that around him, which I thought was pretty odd because I thought David Peralta had a much, much, much higher chance of playing way more games. So um, yeah, he's my top end hitter. That's such a Brian owned player. It is. Yes. His name should be uh, Brian Peralta. <laughs> Rick, Rick Peralta. <laughs> oh, Christ. You know, these D-backs actually, uh, they got a little bit of a spark in them right now. Is he D-bags? Do you say D-bags? <laughs> Excuse me? No, the diamond bag. What, now, what the hell are you trying to say that I said? Diamond bags? The diamond. The Arizona it, snakes? Is that what it is? That my point is, they've been playing good ball, have they not? And then that matter. What did you boys think of that Madison uh, uh, Rowan Gardner thing the other night, where that referee was looking right at his damn face? What did uh, you I, think of that? I thought he, I, I thought he wanted to eye fuck him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lose mm-hmm. doing that to me right now. But one who, uh, you know, and this umpire just doesn't get in trouble for any of us. I guess not. It's um, it's not fair. Yeah. Okay. Oh, one, 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 thing I, one, one thing I forgot was I want to ask Jimmy about, um, what's his name? Casey Sadler. You have him on 30 teams. Yes. Yeah. I, I, you know, he was a bullpen arm. I felt like that bullpen was pretty wide open there in Seattle. And, you know, it's, again, it's like another closer spec last year. He had a, 
0.67 ERA and 0.72 whip across 40 innings out of their bullpen. So just like a, a late guy, you know, you take a, you take a couple dart throws and, and maybe you can find that last half closer um, to win you that category. So I want to show you something. This is what Able, Able Labs sent me this. Uh, is it here? Can you see it? Rusty Clark. So these are all of the players that drafted Casey Sadler. So he was drafted like on four, four, five, six, eight, 10, 11, 40, 41, 47, 49, 50 fuller teams. You have over half of the whole inventory of Casey Sadler on your teams, uh, Jimmy. That was like me and Cal. I had, ha- I had over half of the Cal rally shares last year in all of the <laughs> NFBC uh, draft champions, but um you're big on him. And like, like you see Phil drafted him in our league. He has one share. And then Rob DiPietro has two shares. Um, no Weimer. Weimer didn't get him. But uh, I don't really know anyone else. But Chad Fleming also has six shares of him. So, yeah, I mean, he he also got hurt at the end of draft season. So, I, I mean, I don't think. Right. Didn't that happen while we were still not sure? I don't know. I wasn't really keeping tabs on him. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Go me. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. But for, you know, like for the other thing is like I, I I'm I struggle with like the last five rounds of DCs. Like my knowledge of the player pool is just not deep. So like when I get on a guy, like I kind of just stay on him, which again, like I don't know if that's the greatest thing, but um, I guess it's just like comfortable. Yeah, it's just like me and Phil Gaslin. I like, saw it look like uh, the attorney had some shares of Casey Sadler there as well. Oh, Edwin Turnage, yeah. Yeah. He's Edwin. the uh, DCN official uh, law boy, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, Edwin Edwin had two of his nine teams um, littered with Edwin Tur- uh, with <laughs> Casey Sadler. Um, but uh, he's a guy that's also very much in tune with, other pe- with, with what other people are doing as well. Um, what was I going to say next? So, Brian, Brian, mm-hmm. um, yeah, who were guys that like who is you like like that like Dawson was Phil's and maybe Sadler was one of Jimmy's. Who's your guy like at the end that you were just like who's your dart at the end? Um, yeah, there's a guy that I got continuously post round like 45 that mo- I think he went drafted in most of the drafts I was in, but uh, Craig Stammen. <laughs> Uh, Padres reliever, um, simply because of bulk. Uh, I don't know why, but he was like, maybe people just don't give a shit about his projection, and that's why the innings were so low. But he was projected by everybody for like 60-some innings. And I'm like, this guy always throws like 88 innings or something like that. Um, so he was kind of just like, a, you know, as we get to the second half of the year, maybe I have a couple of teams that are way up there in Ks, but ratios are a little bit bad. Um, just a guy like him to kind of pad the stats a little bit. So not a dart throw, you know, never thought he was going to get saves, not some kind of like this guy's going to come up from the minors and turn into the best player in the game or anything, but just like, you know, a, a guy who, again, should, uh, I think, pitch and play a lot that if my ratios are in trouble, at least I think he could pitch a lot, you know, for me, maybe during the second half of the year, just by being in games. Right on. For me, it was like a mishmash of guys. Like off the top of my head, like Romy Gonzalez on the White Sox was a guy that I 
I liked. He had good numbers in the minor leagues. He got called up last year. It seemed like there was a path. That's not working out yet. Um, Mark Leiter, Jr., just somebody that had good not minor league numbers. Kyle Wright was actually not – well, yes to brag. I think I saw, Jimmy, you had a couple of him. How much Kyle Wright did you get? Not enough. And I'll tell you the other thing. He was being drafted in like a pair with um, – who's the Dodger pitcher uh, who has COVID right now? Um, Kershaw. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, he was like maybe going to be a swingman or fill in as their fifth guy. They oh, were being – White? Yeah, Mitch White, right? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. They were being drafted together. And then as we went through the draft season, Mitch White rose. And I just saw Kyle Wright just like falling. And like, you know, I was like, what What do people know? Like, it just seemed like the, the bottom fell out of his stock. But, I mean, that's worked out well. I, I didn't snap him up nearly enough. I got a lot of him, but I didn't get I feel like, I did, like it's like you it, it, it didn't get enough. It's like, um, it's like fucking the end of Schindler's List where he's like, I could have got one. I could have saved one more. I could have saved one more. And he's like, looking. he's like, if I gave this pin away, I could have gave, I could have got one more save. And I'm like, that's like me with Kyle Wright. Um, <laughs> not, not, no disrespect. That's, that's what I think of. Um, but um, I can say it. It doesn't matter. Um, is that that Jewish movie? That it is. Jew? Oh, okay. And you yeah. are Jewish, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I just wanted to say, I wanted, I wanted to save one more Kyle Wright. And, uh, but like my point, my point was that like at first, in draft season, Kyle Muller was going first. Like you got Kyle Muller, Tucker Davidson, and Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright was going last out of the three of them. And then I, 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 in my mind, I said Davidson should be better than Muller. So I had I started taking Davidson. I started flipping that and taking Davidson first. But I knowing that I could get Kyle Wright like last, just because knowing from the market. But um, yeah, that's that's totally um, totally flipped that script in terms of how people were drafting those players. Like as a whole. We were way off on that, like us as drafters from like the high stakes drafters. Yep. Well, Kyle Wright is another young, you know, another one of these hung young sex pigs that uh, everybody's kind of just glomming on to when he's never really done anything before. And what I say to that is wait until June huh, and then abort uh, mission is what I'm going to say to that. So. I don't know, man. He like he was crushing the minor leagues, top prospect. Um, like, do you think uh, Mackenzie Gore is just a sex pig too? Yes, absolutely. He's filth. Are he's filthy? <laughs> he's laying. He's laying in the mud. He's rolling around. He's got his the mare with him, and he's humping her. And he's you know, it's just now. okay. So is what is George Kirby a sex pig too? Like, if, is, like he's, he's going to be going for like 250, 300 bucks this weekend. If you are young, uh, have not pitched in the majors yet, and every uh, content creator under the sun who writes for some podink website that's going to be gone next year is jerking it to you, you're a sex pig. Okay. I don't make the rules. <laughs> this is just how it goes. So. So anyone, um, just we're going, on, we're going off the rails here, but anyone except for Rick uh, have any interest in George Kirby uh, coming up? I'm not going to ask you how much you're going to bid, but maybe rank it on the scale of, of 1 to 10 in your interest level. Yeah, I mean, how do you not have a little interest, right? Well, I don't know. I think Rick made a pretty compelling argument. Why not to? <laughs> I was compelling. 
I mean, we, we saw know. what he just did, right? Like, I, I did. Mean, it's it's got to be, you know, he's got to be in your in your in your plans a little bit, even if it's just to keep an honest keep an honest bid. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, um, Jimmy, did you do anything deliberately different this year than last year? Like, you had a lot of success last year. Um, did you change anything purposely this year in these DCs? Yeah, I last year I really speculated on closers, like for entire teams. It was just spec after spec. But uh, this year I really, really, really wanted to nail down at least one, um, you know, just something to like, you know, I, I don't know, get a foothold in the category and, and then and then move from there. Um, I also tried to like hit pitching earlier, especially in the auctions, like almost picking up like three aces. Um and then try to snag one elite catcher, which like to this point hasn't really worked out that well, but I do believe in the end, those guys are still differentiators. Um, so yeah, that was it. And you know, just from looking at your teams and, and drafting with you, Jimmy, and, and actually now looking at some of your other teams, you like double tap catcher quite a few times, I think like just the, the like quote unquote elite guys. And even in the, even in the higher stakes fab leagues, like you, seem like you prioritized that is that something you did last year too or is it new because it looked yeah. like you gravitated to catch it for sure i i i did i just I, for for me like i i feel like it it limits my upside but it also gives me like a, a pretty high floor and again like i i'm still newer at this so like i don't feel as comfortable just like leaving a draft like with one dollar catchers um and and i did have some success last year but you know, it's one of those things like when you if you're going to push up a catcher like you know you're you're kind of like playing with fire hoping that someone else falls to you and in some of the leagues i've had success in like you know players fell afterwards like a like a ty france or like a like a josh bell um you know later on in the draft which, which worked out but in others you know nothing really came back that was was juicy and so um the jury's still out i think Right. John, what about you? Um, as far as draft stats, so last year I, I kind of played around with some different strategies to see what what kind of what I was most comfortable with. And the end of the year results, my, my best teams were always um, aces and then guys that could steal bases in the, in the first, with like my first five picks. So I, I basically went with that strategy throughout this entire draft season. So we'll see. It remains to be seen. Obviously we're still, you know, we're only like six weeks into the season. We'll see uh, how it finishes out. But so far I'm, I'm liking the results. Um, yeah. That's what I was, that's what I was most comfortable with. I, I just, if you like looking at the 80th percentile and in, in stolen bases, it was just so incredibly difficult to get there. If I was not addressing it early on without killing my other categories. So I went with uh, I went with that strategy for pretty much every single draft I did. So that's why I don't have any like guys like Vlad Jr. Right on, cool. Brian, um, you um, you did all fan tracks, draft and holds last year in best ball. You transitioned 100 to NFBC 400 dollar DCs, the four honeys. Um, I guess you, you kept a similar strategy, and uh, that's been talked about, like your strategy with pitching early. But uh, is there anything that you're realizing maybe a month into the season that, that these NFBC draft champions are a little bit of a different beast than the, the, the Fran tracks was? 
Uh, not really, honestly. No, it's going pretty well. I mean, like, and, and, you know, you can't really look at just the standings, obviously, as, as these guys have said too, to judge that so far, especially only being in May. But, um, I think like a telling stat is what you pulled up earlier, Zach, showing, uh, like Jimmy and I both being up there and I'm not trying to win any overalls or anything like that, but being up there in a B's, uh, and the overall contest, you know, uh, it's not just, you know, it's not like just having the top ABs is going to win you anything. You could have a shit average, obviously, because of that also. Um, but I think I think the draft champions is also a bit of a volume game, especially with how many teams are in the contest and just you know being in a 15 team league where guys are often taking shots on prospects who won't ever get called up and stuff like that too early. Um so, no, I think everything is kind of going directly according to plan so far. And I'm, I'm really happy with the results. The uh, I don't know if like regret would be the proper word here, because I don't think I could have really done too much different. But what is frustrating me, like there's a couple players that I would have been totally out on had there been news and not a lockout going on. And I don't know if you guys caught any of these buzz saws but there's a couple players that i was you know so, yeah yeah like somewhat heavily invested in I, zach i know you know um zach wheeler was a guy that i really liked and you know i, I think we're gonna escape on that one i mean i'm feeling pretty good about that yeah. now honestly but you know leading up to the beginning of the season it was like shit man i wish i would have known anything about this because i i mean Maybe I would have been wrong in doing this, but I probably would have just taken Wheeler off my draft board if I knew he had shoulder soreness in December. Um, and then another one for me who's on like 30% of my teams is Michael Conforto, which obviously that one stings. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one there. And it's not like he was a guy I was targeting, but it was just like he hadn't signed. And it, I think, Jimmy, it's probably why you probably had a lot of Eddie Rosario too. Like a good veteran, hasn't signed, it's ABs can be productive. Like I felt good about Conforto and then, it, you know, come to find out he's got like a severe shoulder issue. And now I know the whole story is just out for the year. So those are my biggest regrets. Could I have done something different? I guess like maybe just not have been drafting during the lockout and waited, which I think is what a guy like Casey Chaud did. Um, but I wasn't going to do that really. So, and at the end of the day, it was only really a couple guys, but that that's probably what hurts the most for me. Right. It and there's also the, there's also you know that nice discount on the, the unsigned players too you know mm -hmm. uh, so for sure so like looking at your teams right now and um, I just did uh, fish and, and Jimmy's teams fish your best team like it's just right now it still it still seems really early to me um, because and and the reason why I think I feel that way is because just a couple of players can carry teams and 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 as fast as they can carry the team carry the team up they can carry the team down like Tyler McGill got blown up. So I wonder how those teams, like, like you look at all the top teams, they got like, you see Lauer, Cortez, McGill. Those are three guys you see out in a lot of the teams, maybe Kyle Wright. And just as fast as they can bring you up, you can go down just as fast because other players emerge. So looking at you, like fish, you have a top hundred team overall, like CJ Crone. I know you're big on him. Timmy Edmond, Camilo Duvall. Like that was a very, actually that was the first draft we did. That was, a, that was the, the draftaholics draft. I think it's like maybe a, a top 50 team. And I don't know, looking at your team, it's just like looking at any top team um, that's like overall, they, they just have like those couple guys that are just like, like you can list them on both hands. Like it's Tommy Edmond, Crone, Rizzo, 
um, like Cortez, Lauer, McGill, Tyler McGill, like there's only very, like, it just like, it seems very top heavy, like on the hitting and pitching end for like the player pool in terms of how they performed. Yeah. This, you know, this team that, that you're talking about, I mean, if you look at, if you look at the starting pitching, you know, Walker Bueller, Aaron Nola, Logan Gilbert. Yeah. That's, it's been, they've all been pretty solid, but you know, just, just like McGill today, you know, they're one start away from all of a sudden not being solid so far this year. That's how early we are in the season. Uh, but you know, I, you know, I drafted Flaherty in the fourth round of this draft and I knew it right away. I knew it was a bad pick right away. Uh, but I thought that that would be like close to the you know the latest he would go because everybody always seems to be high in Flaherty. Uh, and then as as topic we'll get along, into. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, Fishman, but that's a topic we're going to get into in my dog pound segment a little bit later. And Jack <laughs> Flaherty will be featured. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I can't wait, Rick. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but yeah, so like Flaherty, I thought like you know I thought that would be you know close to his the, the latest he would go. Um, and I obviously was wrong. And then he gets hurt, of course. So that's been kind of a wasted pick, but I got those other guys, you know, holding on the floor for me. Uh, but yeah, like you said, like some, some picks here that unless there's good things and there's bad, bad things for drafting early. And uh, one of the pros here is CJ Crone in the 15th, uh, like Camila Duvall in the 20th. Like those are just, those are two guys that just, there's, they never went close to there. So yeah, that's I mean, why it's, uh, why it's so great drafting early. You get those. Yeah, you know, you're exactly. still, everyone's still playing chicken with the market, even though like you might think Crohn's worth more. And I think that was before he signed too. Um, that's before he re-signed with Colorado. Um, yeah, people are sort of even though maybe you like Crohn earlier, you felt like you could maybe play the play the market. And and Jimmy, like I think your top one of your top teams I looked at, you have similarly to Crohn, you have um, Josh Bell, who's been fantastic, Kyle Wright on that team, Ty France. Um, some of those, some of those Jimmy staples, uh, a lot of the usual suspects. Right. Um, but um, like I said, teams are being carried by, like, I, I feel like teams like are being carried by like five players and like everyone has like a bad, like pick or two at this point, because there's been a lot of really underperforming hitters. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I think like an, another thing to remember is like, it, it, unless we're making pars, like the, the birdies don't matter in that, like, yeah, there's some nice picks, but like I have Kyle Farmer filling in at shortstop right now, which is like, shh, you know, my third shortstop drafted, which is honestly, it's pure luck. I'm not going to attribute it to anything else, you know, and like because he's able to like fill in on a DC right now, that allows, you know, Yelich's cycle to like really count for something. Um, so to me, like, you know, as much as it is like the stars, like I love when like these late round picks just like chip in for your team. It's just, it's such a good feeling. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but, but for, I, I totally agree with also with what, with what you did say about, you know, the guys leading the pack, Larice Robert, uh, you know, Yelich, Bell, France, and then the pitching was nice too, you know, the little Corbin Burns, Montas, Manaya, right? So it's working yeah. so far. Yeah. And I think like you can, like, you can, you see team, you see teams that are like up there in the standings and many teams that have like, bust picks early on but i think like as long as you have like some of those other players that have been performing especially on the hitting side like you can sustain that because basically there's 15 teams and like all those all those teams had a bust pick like i was just talking to someone like story maryfield simeon uh, brian reynolds 
Grisham, Eddie Rosario, Verdugo, Meadows, India, Franville, Polanco, Brendan Rogers, Abyssal, Badu, Scope, Votto. Like it does, the list goes on. It's just like super underperforming, like so many players um, that like maybe you have one or two of those guys, but like it's not even that like a lot of teams have those guys. And I didn't even hit on like Soler, Baez, Correa, like injured guys, T Oscar. Like it's just like, it's been bad, man. Like this, this first month, like just in terms of hitting and like the, and those, the stats have shown. Yeah. It, it's frustrating. Like, you know, and like, I, you know, sometimes I'm finding myself like cursing out individual players and I'm like, listen, man, like, you know, it's a, it's a tough sport. It's a marathon. And, you know, like, just cause it's not like the most aerobic sport around, like, doesn't mean like staying healthy isn't a skill. And like, it's difficult. And you throw in COVID like, with what Brian mentioned about Moustakis on Monday night at like six 30 being announced, he's out. Like, you know, it's just kind of lucky you catch that lineup change, but it's, it's hard right now for sure. Yeah. So main event, main event. Um, looks like um, I think fish, you did two. I don't know how many, you, I, I did three, Jimmy, you did. I don't know how many you did three, three. Yeah. Same. So looking at them, like, um, not going to get too much into it, but Fish, you got like, um, again, like you got Bell and Crone on the, on one of your teams and uh, Crone seems like a staple for you. Um, but then you, you got some slow starters on both the teams, right? You got Story, Cattell. So it's a balancing act between those guys that have sort of picked it up um, and not. So right now it's sort of like, I think it's just like, it's still early, right? Yeah, this uh, so this this is the Las Vegas main event team that did it. Uh, yeah, Story's been terrible. Took him in the second. Rosarena's been terrible. Took him in the fourth. Uh, Jorge Polanco has underperformed. Took him in the sixth. Cattell in the seventh. So Votto in the tenth. Yeah, so it's uh, it, it's it's too early to like fully panic, but at the same time, it's like okay, come on, let's get it going here. You know, like. You can't you can't fall too far behind, especially for the overall. You know you can still you know pull something out with the league, but uh, you don't want to fall too far behind with the with the overall. So you found uh, Josh Naylor. Yeah. Congratulations! Yeah. Congrats! I think I dropped him. <laughs> I think I dropped my only share of him this week. Um, yeah, I, I, I yeah I fab him. Uh, I think Fraley got hurt. I had Jake Fraley. Yep, I dumped him. And, and Loriano wasn't quite back yet. So I think I picked up Naylor last week. Uh, yeah, so he's, he's worked out pretty well so far. So hopefully he can keep it up. Right. Uh, and Winder, you found, did you find, what, when did you fab Winder uh, on your other team? This week or the week before? Uh, just this week, I think. How much did you pay for him? Uh, let's get a question. I'll look it up real quick. I don't think it was too much, though, if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, well, I guess it was a little bit. 87. That's, the, that's probably one of the cheaper ones this week. Yeah, runner-up was 76, so. That's good. Uh, I mean, but somebody did pick up Mitch Hanniger for 104. That seems bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it just seems a little wild. But Well, I mean, yes, maybe. you wouldn't know for sure, like, the extent of his injury back then. So it's not like – Right. It's not right. like – I'm not saying it's stupid, but I'm saying that's, in hindsight, that looks like a mistake. Like the like some of the Edward Oliveira's pickups um, also look like mistakes. Um, yeah. So Winder looks looks good. Like Paddock looks hurt. Um, 
And then even when they get their pitchers back, Archer looks like shit again. So I wouldn't really worry about him. I and like as, as soon as I saw Archer tonight, I, my worries for him, at least in the near term of being out of that rotation, have been pretty much reduced to nil. Jimmy, you got looking yeah. at your mains. I think on every main you have Pavetta, Cobb, and Wheeler. Is that true? I think you would be correct. So uh, that's uh, not a watered down drink at all. And like, <laughs> I, I think I think Wheeler's fine. I think Wheeler's going to be great. And he's starting. He's starting on he's starting on Thursday against the Dodgers, though. Um, Real quick about Wheeler. How many of you guys ended up just letting him fly this week? I I, I benched him everywhere. I benched him. I started him in one DC. So I have a lot of them. I started him in one DC over Patrick Corbin. I'm like, I cannot, that's the thing. I, I, I just, I just think like, and I haven't done any sophisticated math on this, but like these players that just like the Bubix, the Vladimir Gutierrez is like Hunter green, maybe this week. Like, I don't know, I'm just throwing out names. Like they just, these two start guys just fucking crush you. And I know Cor- Corbin, like obviously, Phil robot Phil wins this round as he always does, but like I just couldn't stomach it. I put I put a I put a Wheeler instead. I said maybe he starts, maybe he doesn't, but I don't want I don't want I don't want Corbin in my lineup. My instinct initially was to just let Wheeler out there. Honestly, it almost was for Wainwright too, but I'm starting to feel a little bit better that I haven't. But uh, with Wheeler, I started to realize like if the only realistic option is he returns at LA, so I was like, well, at the Dodgers. So if I miss that start. You know, I'm probably not going to kill myself over it. You know what I mean? Just in case. So yeah. we'll see. I, I, in retrospect, I wish I had him in, but I'm not too upset that I benched him really. He could be on some sort of a pitch con too. He's right. I think he missed a week. So you know, maybe yeah. only goes five innings. Is it? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And that LA is not exactly the ideal start. So probably, yeah, probably I, I benched him ever. I almost was inclined chances. to start David Robertson, even though he was on the COVID list just to start the week. Because you see, you're seeing people return quicker. Yeah, because you can put them on there even if they didn't test positive. Yeah. Are you guys feeling like maybe I don't mean to derail this conversation, but are you feeling like? And again, maybe I'm not remembering last year as well. Does the COVID IL seem more prevalent this year? Like to me, this seems more extreme than last year. Maybe I'm just forgetting, but it, it seems pretty crazy. No, I don't yeah. think. I think you have it right. I feel like the teams are almost like manipulating a little bit, you know, throwing a guy on. I mean, I, I agree with you. I yeah, think last really year you saw more like clumps of players go on, like like teams like have a bunch of guys going at once. This time you're going to – like I think you're right. I think you see more like random sporadic just COVID IL, like this guy's sick or whatever. So he's going on the IL for like – you don't know if it's going to be two days or like 12. Yeah. Pretty funny for a uh, made-up disease by the Hollywood cabal, but <laughs> that's just the way it goes, I guess. So, uh, yeah. So back to Jimmy Pavetta, Cobb, Wheeler. Like that seems pretty good. Cobb got you a win this week. Um, like they all seem pretty good. Pavetta's got a nice matchup in Texas. I think I start. I rolled him out a lot of DCs this week. Yeah, I, I I bought the dip uh, at the main events on on Wheeler. I just was like, you know, he had shoulder. <laughs> in December, like, you know, I know he was slow to ramp up and like, I, I wish, I wish it was a quicker ramp up. And, um, but, but like all in all, like it, it looks like he's trending in, in the right direction. And, you know, Cobb's been, Cobb's been pretty damn good outside that, you know, that one kind of 
yeah. when he fell out of the starting blocks trying to come back, you know, what was that like two weeks ago, but he pitched great last week. So um, hanging in there and, and I'm the thing with Pavetta is like, what, what else is out there? Like, so you, I, I, I'm trying to get better with fab of like not making um, lateral moves. Just, I feel like there's so much pressure each week to like make a move, to make a move. And I feel like maybe sometimes it's better to like do nothing um, or, or just like sit with a guy for another week, uh, you know, but it's difficult. Right. You're hoping for Ronzi Contreras to be called up. Uh, I had, I had like injuries and COVID and, you know, maybe he was going to get the call for the start on the 12th. So I, I, I put him in there because I thought, you know, Wheeler had COVID, uh, but uh, so far, no dice for old Jimbo. Right. That was like me. I, I added Clark Schmidt in all my main events. And then they call up this other fuck, Luis Gill. And he's going to start whatever tomorrow, I guess. If I can't, fuck him. All right. Well, I, I, I wanted to see what I want to see what Clark Schmidt was going to do, but now he's probably a drop. Um, I like Luis well, Gill. I got a whole bunch of shares of him. In DCs, I assume. Yeah. 14. 14 shares. Ooh, that's not too bad. So, um, Rick, you got a, you got some sort of segment for us you were you were alluding to? Yeah, I was going to go ahead and do the dog pound. Okay. Music quality is okay. Okay, welcome into the dog pound. I am Rick Poundstone, and today we're going to talk about something called the loudmouth liberal tax. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I'll tell you right now. We've talked about similar subjects on this show before, but you think about back to the draft season. There's a select amount of players that maybe they're a little bit active on Twitter. They have some really controversial opinions and stuff like that. I think of the Marcus Stromans. I think of the Jack Flaherty's. Pitchers and players, I think of the Jizz Chazels, players that aren't really any good, but have a large prowess on Tweeter. People follow them. People want T-shirts made after things they say. Um, you know, they have wet dreams to them at night, stuff like that. These players are all always on Tweeter, spouting off at the mouth about how Kamala Harris is the next you know, uh, Queen of England or something like that. And, oh, you know, this is the new normal. COVID's forever and everything's an injustice. And wow, 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 fuckity wow. And what happens is these people make these whiny statements and all the fantasy players and all the content creators just get on them. And they're just like, oh, I love this guy. Marcus Stroman can't strike anybody out. He's pitching at Wrigley. He's going to get his brains hit all off season. Or all season, I mean, whenever it gets to summertime. Jack Flaherty's had a shoulder fall off. He's not even going to pitch this year for the shit birds. And then you got uh, just Chazel, who's hitting ninth in the order. And, you know, Don Mattingly, who I consider to be the best manager in the game, knows exactly what he's doing. Gone are the days where we had good exemplary men like Kurt Schilling. And people like that who really carried this game and, uh, you know, showed what it was to be a man. So, yeah, that's the liberal. I forget what I had called it uh, at first, but the uh, liberal uh, uh, player tax that happens in drafts because they're cool on Twitter and they're loud mouths and everybody likes to draft them. This has been the dog pound. 
Rick, I got a, I got a follow-up question for that. I, I, first of all, I do agree. Um, Marcus Stroman definitely did have that liberal tax. He was going way too high. Um, yeah. But just Chasm's been really good. And, he, and, he, and he's now batting leadoff. So I, I don't know yeah. what you have to say about that. What, and let me check my watch. Yeah, since May 11th. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not interested. Uh, he, my God, one night at the plate, he didn't get a time. I don't even know what the hell happened. He didn't get a timeout granted or something. And then he had a home run. And the next day, Tweeter's like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, Jizz is just not. Talk to me at the end of the year, okay? Okay, we'll talk. Uh, you know what? You're, 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 you're welcome back anytime. So we can talk at the middle of the year. We can talk at the end of the year. You can talk just Chasm whenever you want. And how many innings has a uh, players association God Jack Flaherty pitched so far this year? How many? I forget. I don't know. Is he like a, was he taxed? Did people love him for some reason? I don't even know. Well, uh, Mr. Uh, Fishman just mentioned it earlier on. Yes. People always seem to, I mean, if he was drafted at all, it was too high. Uh, because he has a torn shoulder. So, uh, yeah, uh, these people need to shut up. They need to learn their role. And uh, we need men like Kurt Schilling back in the game. This has been Rick Poundstone in the Dog Pound. All right. Let the dogs out. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Dog Excellent. Well, thank you. Tremendous segment, Rick. Really enjoyed it. Good um, job, Rick. That was that was epic. That was um, it, I, I followed the logic, and uh, maybe you don't agree with um, everything Rick said, but I, you know, I, I follow the logic at least. Thank you, boys. My pleasure. No problem. Good job, Hibby. What is um? So, Lou Bob, uh, who are your most owned players? Who are your most owned players, Lou? I don't even know what he he's been playing. I don't know if you boys ever played Edward 40 hands when you were in college, but he's been playing that all night. He's got uh, what we call a hurricane. It's a malt liquor down here in West Virginia. He's got one on each hand and uh, yeah, he's three sheets to the wind. I don't really have much for you there. Is he going to make it into only fans tomorrow? I don't. Oh yeah. His job. Yeah. He, uh, you know, you got to work tomorrow. You sick son of a bitch. I'm gonna work him tonight. Oh Christ. Well, boy, I don't know if you boys have ever been in a group marriage, but uh, you know what happens is my wife uh and Lou will sneak off and then I'll you know join them and it's a lot. So that's what my life is all about now. All right. Well, speaking of all, all of that, I want to talk about regrets. Um what are your biggest regrets uh, during the draft season? What would you What would you redo? Uh, would you target a player more, or would you like why are you drafting him? I'll start Trevor Bauer. I wish I never drafted that fuck. Um, I thought I thought he was a cheap code, a cheat code, and he wasn't. It turned out to be nothing. But um, that's that's my first regret. Just an obvious one. Jimmy, what about you? Um. I will go to my second main event where I started off with DeGrom, which in like pick seven, not, not too bad. But when I came back in the second round, I selected 
Trevor Story over Manny Machado. <sighs> yeah, that's, that, a, that's a regret. That eats at me every day. I was too focused on the stolen bases. I, I should have – mistake. Fish, when you took Trevor Story, did you take him over Machado? Do you, do you remember? You took him in round two as well. Uh, I know I took him over Albies and Devers. I think Machado was still there as well. So. Right, all right. Fish, what about you? What's, yeah. your, what's, what's your regret that you could think of? Um, probably not targeting Verlander at all. Yeah, that's one of the ones I posted. Uh, I said a couple of mine. Verlander's a regret for now. You know, you never just, know. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, true. I, I just thought that he. I just thought like you know that all these pitches that come back from Tommy John, they're usually just kind of a little wild, and yeah. he has has not been wild at all. So that's uh, that's definitely one. I mean, I, I could, you know, I obviously had an target Kershaw or, or Radon either just for injury Same. issues. And they've been, they've been obviously phenomenal. But, but well, I mean, we'll see. Look at, look at your watch. Like Rick says, look at your watch. It's, it's 11, it's uh, 11th of May. Uh, yeah. But, Ver, but Verlander, like he's, it's unprecedented. It's like, when's the last time there was somebody being drafted that was like 39 years old coming off of Tommy John? Like when you have Tommy John, when you're like 39, you retire. Like this is like pretty much unprecedented in, in my time of playing fantasy, at least. So, like I think I'm I, I can justify the fate. It just didn't. It's not, it hasn't worked out so far. Right. Yeah. Same here. Rick, you gonna say something or Brian? What? I heard somebody. What do you have? I heard somebody trying to interject. No, I was just uh, agreeing with the look at your watch statement that you had made. Oh, okay. Right. That's so. Cool. All right, Brian. Do you have any regrets? Would you have done anything different? Um, as far I, I don't know if I, I, I guess like the biggest regret would be honestly, as much as I doubled down on taking what I felt were the surefire closers early, I wish I did it even stronger. And all I mean by that is uh, I wish I had more Hendrix and more so Hater. Um, I do have both of them, but not I, obviously you'd have to dedicate pretty much a second round pick to the most of the draft season. Um, so I feel like I should have had the balls to just do that more often. Uh, and I didn't and because I was afraid, you know, it, it is a lot of draft capital. It is the second round and you're taking one of those top closers and hindsight's 2020 Josh haters, you know, dominating Hendricks, not so much, but still, I don't think he's at any risk. Um, so I wish that I would have honestly been even more brave with taking those top closures. I spread the risk out with them because I, we all know what can happen with closures. I just wish I would have gone even stronger with the top ones and coming into the season. Like, I think we all kind of identify a few of the guys that we're really interested in kind of early on. Lucas Giolito was a pitcher that I thought the uh, price on was going to be pretty good. I kind of put him near that Aaron Nola bucket, not quite where Nola was. And I thought I ended up with, I thought like Nola and Giolito would be two guys I had a lot of, and I only ended up with one Giolito. So I don't know if that was just kind of like a circumstance of a draft spot or what it was or other people having the same thoughts. Um, but I kind of wish I got a little bit more of him. I know that's maybe a weird one. It's not like he's been completely dominant, but he's, he's looking pretty good. And I think he's going to be good all season. I hear you. I, I think it was a circumstance of like what you're targeting for me. It's like, I wanted to get at least one of those closers and I wanted to get speed. So I was targeting guys like, like uh, Hater, Glacius, Class A, Buxton, 
Um, Tyler O'Neill, Trevor Story, T. Oscar, all those guys were my targets in that range where you'd be getting Giolito, Nola, Bieber, Urias. So like those pitchers pretty much fell to the wayside for me. And I, in, in lieu of those like speed, power and closers, that's what happened with me. So I barely have any of those, like those, like the Giolito, Nola, Julio Urias, Bieber, Alcantara guys. Yeah, that's kind of what happens. And then, then it leads you to like, say, well, I can't do this in every single draft and kind of think of another way to do it. But sometimes you get caught in a trap because like with those kind of speed guys, you can't necessarily get some of that later on. So, yeah, it's uh, and I try to do a lot of that. I think we all like Jimmy all night's been talking about kind of the opposite, just saying, like, get who you're after and, and not worry as much about ownership, which I definitely think is good. Um, for certain kind of assets like closers, I just want to differentiate a little bit more, obviously. And I actually wish I paid up even more kind of at the end of the day. Yeah. It's looking like the guys that paid up for closers is generally, it seems like a good bet because like, even like the guys like Joan Duran, Housley, like even Gallegos, Melanson, like they're all somewhat iffy. Like, um, they're, they're not like, no one became, no one's become locked in and, yeah, like he lost, he lost guys like, um, like Robert Suarez, Will Smith just became completely yep. useless cucks. Um, <laughs> um, so like, yeah, the paying, paying up, paying up definitely, I think was the, like the right move in hindsight. It's so, it's so tough though, to like, like Brian said, like bravery to like, to like pause your draft from like taking these like power speed guys with average or like a, or like aces and to like, to select that closer there, but um, I don't know. It's looked good so far. So the team is tough. I was just going to say it it is tough, but like having, I think I have hater on three out of 24 teams and like those teams, I'm like, everything's great. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, I had to get them second, maybe beginning a third round. So. Yep. The team that's leading the main event overall right now has Rysel Iglesias and Josh Hader doesn't really have a true ace. They have Manoa, Wood, Dunning um, on their team. They've picked up Winder, and they actually have a third closer on their uh, starting for within Daniel Bard. So they have the two stud closers and Bard on their team. Um, the hitters like uh, that they have are um, Edmund, Springer, Harper. Like Harper, Machado have just been rocks. Um, and then they have two. They have the JT, JT Ramuto, and then they've. Um, if you're interested in what they've sort of fabbed, uh, they have Winder, Josh Winder on their team, and they have Drury, also CJ Chrome. This is Doug, Doug Gruber, is yeah. a very good player. Um, he's um, him, John Posma's been on the show. Him and Gruber and Posma are like Posma's talked about him. I think they have sort of a they, they chat, and then our, my, my friend Robert um, Geis, I don't know if I'm pronouncing the name right, I always fuck it up, but. Geis and Gruber, Posma, like they're sort of a little group like uh, Rob and Swimer and Phil are. So um, very good. Like me, Maggie, and Lou Bob. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, That's a good. That's a good analogy. Um, But um, like um, obviously, very smart groups of players. So he's not surprised to see him there. But really, if you look at the team, there's nothing like. Like it's, it's, it's great, but there's nothing like no, like real home. Like, is there anything a home run on there? Like, I guess like at this point, like Springer kind of is Chrome kind of is 
um, Harper is, but like those are guys you paid out for, like just a very solid, solid team. And the one thing that I did note is like the, the, the emphasis on closers and the de-emphasis on the stud starting pitchers, which is something that got him to this point of leading the competition. Uh, he's also got a team in third place. So he's doing, he's doing the field himself. So, so basically Gruber's got a team in first and third. And that's what, that's how Phil finished last year. Looking at his, his other team, very dissimilar players, like um, um, not very many of the same players. Hader is there. Um, um, he did get Joe Musgrove and Robbie Ray. So it's a very, it's a very dissimilar build. Um, Lou Bob, not, not, not you, Lou Bob, but other Lou Bob, Chicago White Sox, Lou Bob. Um, yeah, completely different team, completely, which is, which is quite, quite, uh, quite fascinating, those two teams. Uh, and so he's got, and he's starting, how many closers is he starting here? One, I think. That's crazy. Yeah, it's completely, almost completely different players and completely different, like, structure. Like, he's starting one relief pitcher on this third-place team, and he's starting three on the first-place team. So just a really high, high variance of builds that could they could win, especially, especially like early on, I guess. Yeah. How are you guys feeling about your teams as a whole? So, so like I yeah. got, I got some good teams. I got a bunch of bad teams. Um, I don't know. Like I, I'd say like, I'm, I'm not hating it. Yeah. But it's, but it's early. What about you? It's like, a, it's early. I just want to like keep my head down, keep grinding and like kind of, pick my head up get through the summer but like just trust the process right now i mean so what about you fesh uh it's basically the same story every year for me draft champions are looking good the main events are looking horrific uh so yeah that's just kind of how we are right now but yeah it's still early so we'll, we'll see if we can get these main event teams to pick it up a little bit I need Votto to do something i mean <laughs> this is getting ridiculous you should drop drop Votto. That's what I. That's what I've been saying. Well, I, I mean, yeah. the good thing is, I, I I am on one of the main event teams, and I'm only saying that because I want people to drop him. I don't actually. I wouldn't actually drop him. I'm just. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm very disingenuous, as you well I know. I got afford to with that with that main event team because I have Bell and Chrome, so it's True. not the end of the world that he's that he's you know doing terrible. But Why'd you I drop all three of them? I guess for your utility. That's a bold move. Yeah. Yeah, utility. I all my starting pitching targets were gone. My closer closing targets were gone. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna fill the utility here. But then on that same team, I also have, you know, I'm loaded at second base. I had Jorge Polanco uh, in the sixth. I had Cattell Marte in the seventh. I took Story in the second, which I knew he was going to be going to you know gain second base eligibility. I also took Gene Segura in the thirteenth. I had a pass on Jonathan India in the eighth. Just, couldn't take that's, any more. That's worked out. That's worked out so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's been good. So um, that's where the Crone is in the eighth, and then Bell in the ninth, and then yeah. So it's just kind of I was taking kind of what was what was given to me, and you know when I left, I like I, I loved the, the hitting. Obviously, I thought the hitting was elite. I had my two aces, Scherzer and Peralta, who I thought were going to be you know phenomenal. Uh, I did miss out on the on the third third starter. I, uh, I did get Stroman as my third starter, which I don't like at all, but I did get like my guy, like huge target for me, Bailey over. Um, 
so yeah, it's uh it's been a little bit of a struggle. The the, the pitching isn't the pitching depth is just not there. We'll we'll see if we can turn it around here. Did you guys miss on any of your big targets during DC season in your big drafts, like in your main events and stuff like that? I'll tell you, guy, for me was fortunately so far as Brendan Rodgers. I had a ton of him in DCs, but I completely whiffed on him. Um, and just um, there's a couple of players where I just didn't have a lot of exposure in the big big drafts. But um, yeah, Dave, Alex Cobb for me. Dylan yeah. C for me. Yeah. Yep. Cease too. Yep, yeah, I didn't get Cease either. Cease shot up in those main events. Yeah, I was, I was lucky to get him in the first one, and then after that, it was uh, no dice. Yeah, I got a I got a question for you guys. When you guys are setting DC lineup, at, at what point? What's your cutoff for like a, a rolling with the starting pitcher versus like a, a middle reliever? Like, I I don't know if we can like qualify this, but like I I struggle with that. Like you know the kind of like your fifth or sixth starter versus, you know, some decent middle reliever. I don't, how do you guys handle that? Um, yeah. I mean, the, it depends on the matchup for the fifth yeah. or sixth starter. If, if they're a high strikeout guy, I yeah. usually roll them. But if they're a, a low strikeout guy and they have one starting, you know, against a, a tough matchup, I'll sit them for a reliever. Hopefully that the reliever has like seven games. That's another, okay. another thing. Personally, okay. I, I don't really have a lot of good relievers on my DC teams um, that aren't like locked in relievers. Like I'm trying to think, like, like maybe I have like an odd Will Smith Braves pitcher where like maybe I could roll him out instead of like Jonah Doan or something like that. Like my okay. board, my borderline got my borderline starters this week were like Jonah Doan, Hunter Green, Mitch Keller. Like, do I bench those guys? And then Keller has the Reds, like in in Cincinnati. Like, do I bench him for like, like, I don't know, a guy like, I don't know, it's not going to start like, a, like some sort of like hybrid guy that I don't know what really his role is going to be. Like, yeah, like a suitor. Yeah, something like that. Even though I don't, yeah, I don't have him, but like something like yeah. that, like a setup man, or like, yeah, a, yeah. like a, I don't know, like a Tony Santaland that was like if he was good, <laughs> uh, even though he sucks this year, or I don't, I don't know, or um. Trying to think of someone, someone like uh, of that elk. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't have any raised guys, but um, yeah, it, it's or like an Ian Kennedy, right? Maybe maybe an Ian Kennedy. Yeah, like that would be yeah. a good example. Do you start Ian Kennedy or Mitch Keller or like Jonah Doan or Eric Fetty? Uh, probably I roll with the starter. I think in the, in most cases, just because. I don't have those Devin Williams. I don't have those like bummers on my teams really. Um, I'll Eric, tell you. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say Eric Fetty and I aren't on speaking terms right now after what he did to me. him and Patrick Corbin two, like three weeks ago in the same night. It was like <laughs> an explosion of ratios. It was hor- horrendous. Anyway, I'm sorry, Brian, go ahead, buddy. What was- uh, yeah. So um, <clears throat> I guess like it is tough because it is kind of a match of case by case basis, but like just thinking back to this week setting pitching lineups, mm-hmm. I think a guy that was right, like on the cutoff for me that I had tons of now this, he may actually end up with a two-star week. I'm not sure. And if he does, that would have kind of changed this, but I had Brad Keller only starting one. I thought at Texas, which was not a good start. We now know, mm-hmm. um, but I do like him and he is in, good situations like he pitches in a pretty good home ballpark that division isn't the craziest offensive division texas 
sucks and has a uh, pitcher's park as well. I don't think any signings they made are going to work out whatsoever, so I didn't mind that matchup. But it still is him on the road. There's a couple good hitters in that lineup. And that was kind of it for me. Like, that was where I'm like, okay, I can do this. And, and then to me, there's another thing I factor in. And then I go and look at the standings, not just like where I am in the league. And this may be, may be stupid because it's not far enough into the season. But I'll look and see like, okay, where am I at with innings pitched? How are my ratios and stuff? So I also do it a case by case on that. Like, what's actually happening in the league? Can I absorb this hit? Do I need some more innings? Like, what's going on? So, yeah, for me, this week, he was a guy that really kept coming to mind versus putting in, like, Hennessy Cabrera from the Cardinals or, yeah, one of these kind of guys we're talking about. Okay. No, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, I think everybody kind of has their own – you know, process with that. But it is kind of like, I think it's just so dependent. I think it's dependent on like where you're at in the league. Like that, that's what's really important for me is like looking at some of those other uh, standings and stuff. And how much, how much do you guys, um, I, I mean, I'm sorry to turn this into the cute. I still one more question. How no, this, much, this is great. This is great, Jimmy. Keep going. How, how careful are you guys with managing your ratios? Like for pitching, like, do you treat those like, like just like, the most like delicate things pop, like how much risk do you like take? Like I, I, that's what I struggle a lot with that, with, with management of who to roll out. This year I'm being more careful with it um, because it can get away from you pretty quickly. Uh, I find, and with starting pitchers, uh, it's really a balance between ratios and like volume really um, in essence, sometimes, sometimes you get unlucky, but um, this year I'm finding starting pitchers are getting less wins. Uh, that's been shown. And I think that's a trend. And it's also um, you're seeing that like the, the innings pitch, the correlation between innings pitched and, and success isn't as isn't sort of isn't the same as your at bats. So I think that even like middle relievers might become more valuable. I'm really like, especially in these fab leagues, not wanting to roll out. Like I don't even prioritize to start weeks that much. This could be wrong. Uh, I, I just want to protect, I want to protect my ratios a lot. Um, I, I'm pretty protective of that. But then you mentioned Fetty. Fetty fucked me too. Um, and he, in, in a spot, I think, what was it Arizona? It was, yeah, it looked like it was at, yeah. It was, it was like, it was like, it wasn't like, a, like sometimes they just come out of nowhere. Like I, I'd be protective of like a two start week of like, like a Hunter Green week right now, right? Like I have a lot of him. He's facing, I think, Milwaukee and something else. I forget. But that wasn't even that bad. But like a week where you like you have like let's say you got the Yankees and and like I don't know the Yankees and the White Sox with like a middling pitcher like that has two starts. I'd probably lean to not start that pitcher. Even mm. even like I'd rather have like Spencer Strider going than like I'm trying to think of an example of somebody versus like then like Nick Pavetta versus the Yankees and White Sox. I'd probably not want to start Pavetta. In, my, in that case, what about you guys? Yeah, so like my biggest decision for like this week was Austin Gomer has two start week, but his first start was at San Francisco. And we all know what happened the last time he pitched there. Uh, but I rolled with him. I'm, um, his second start is at home, which obviously is not good in Colorado, but it's against Kansas City. So uh, yeah, I rolled with him. I'm, I'm hoping to get, you know, somewhere between 10 and 15 strikeouts for the week. Now he only got three in the first game, but you know, if he can get six, seven in his next start, you know, he's right there about the 10, 10 strikeout. You know, it, 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 
it's a little bit risky if your if your ratios are already kind of poor yeah. to, to roll them because you're not expecting good ratios, right? With with at San Francisco being one of the starts. So I was just hoping that this didn't get too blown up. And it, it his whip was was okay. I mean, it, it wasn't wasn't great, obviously. But you know, you're 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 hoping to get through that first start because you're you're targeting that second start with, with the Kansas City. So I rolled with them. Uh, only three strikeouts. But what are you gonna do? I went with Gomber too uh this week, John, in a couple weeks, actually. But uh mm-hmm. I, I, and you know, I think another good point about this conversation is like, are we talking, you know, a main event or are we talking to draft champions? Cause I do point. think that with draft champions, obviously you can afford the volume a little bit more, which is the only thing I'm playing. So I will, I will start most two start weeks. Like Zach, you were talking about Patrick Corbin earlier. I, everywhere I have him, I started him this week, which, you know, that could be good. That could be bad. He was good enough the other night and walked a lot of guys, but like, um, but then if you got like a Vlad, Vlad gut to start week, uh, that's almost never going to be valuable. You know I mean? He's just such a bad pitcher that it's like I end in a bad ballpark that I can almost never justify it. But, you know, some of these other fringe guys, um, I think with some K upside, yeah, I, I'm usually okay doing that at DCs, but I totally get it. Like, I'm not playing the main event, and I get it. Like, why you guys would not want to – I mean, you screw up your ratios real bad in one week. You could really be hurting yourself in that contest, so I do get that. I have one team where my ratios are horrific. I, I, I had Fetty. I forget who else. A couple other um, starts, but I'm I'm sitting in second in that league, but my my ratios, my ERA and whip are both, like, zero, like ones. Um, so – we're at a point where we're four weeks in. How do I fix that? Do I start like waiver wiring some middle relievers, like, like some of the Yankee guys that I've already missed that Gecko loves, or do I, um, I don't know, like you, you've got to figure my, my pitching staff isn't amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have it up in front of me, but like, well, how do you fix like at this point, like how much can you fix it and how do you fix it? It's the worst thing to fall behind it. The ERA, whip, and batting average is just the three worst things to fall behind. And uh, I think you just gotta, I mean, you gotta roll your guys, right? Like, you, there's nothing you can do about it. I don't oh, think. Shit, I'm actually in first now. I'm looking at my team. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in first, but I'm in. Oh, somehow I gained. How did I, how the fuck did I gain in the ERA and whip? So, anyways, but how do you, so I've done that. Who did I start this? Who's on my team? Blackburn, Scooble, I guess. I don't know. That's it, really. Yeah, if you can stream like good matchups and pitchers that have been pitching well, I think that's you know, that's that's kind of the way to get back into it with with ratios. Because the, I do think mid- it's early too. Go ahead, sorry. No, I, please. You were saying it's it's early. You think it's early too? I just think it's early also, like, Zach, in your situation, I would just be like, well, hey, I, I got to throw out who I came with. You know what I mean? It's just like how – you know, in a fab managed league with only – you probably have three or four pitchers on the bench. I mean, what really uh, can you do? Oh, no, I was like oh, – sorry, I was looking at the wrong league. This is my auction, my $1,500 auction. My, my – uh, yeah, it was Taiwan Walker, and um, I had Fetty um, – John Gray, like my pitch, my, my pitchers that are in here right now are Walker, Robbie Ray, Winder, Hawk, Otto, 
Blackburn, John Gray, Kenley Jansen, Stamon. Like it's not a good pitching staff. My bench is David Robertson, Lodolo, and Snell. So it's like, what do you do with that? That's like kind of a hurting staff. Like it's okay. It's not terrible, but it's just like, I got a lot of like landmines in there. Like, I don't know. I, I forget Like did Hawk blow might blow me up. I don't think he did. I didn't have him in, but Walker blew me up. Fetty blew me up. I dropped him. Gray's blown me up. Um, and then Lodolo's Lodolo blew me up once I think as well. Um, he had a really bad start. So it's like my ratios are near the bottom. What do I do with that? Do I start replacing like, like is, is like John Gray become a cut? Does it like, does like Hawk and Gray become cuts? for like ratio boys not hawk i don't think you know boys <laughs> gray i i didn't i don't have any shares of gray yeah i just i just i think i just fabbed him i got him for like i think i might have dropped him and then repicked him up perhaps but fuck i'm starting glenn auto when does he pitch like this could be you, a, this could be a disaster you know as bad as John Gray's been right now. He's got a career best whip going of one point two two, just not good. I and mean, Black, it's, Black, it's Blackburn's not, been yeah, okay. Bad, Blackburn, as much as I shit on him, like he he was like his his like K minus walk and swinging strike are actually pretty decent. Like they're top thirty. Like he's a top thirty in those good in those peripherals. But I just like I don't know. It's just like you don't trust it. Taiwan Walker, I think he has a decent matchup, but he's like very, very like he's a guy that he's one of those guys. Taiwan Walker's like the poster boy for like you just like not sleeping well at night with his with him in your lineup. <laughs> like I don't know, like he's he's on a good team, but like he could just like I don't know, man. Like that's yeah, just he, such a fucking you just, roll the dice, motherfucker guy. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> you just never know what you're gonna get from him. Yeah. It is like a ratio boy. Like, are you talking like a middle like a <laughs> middle reliever like two innings a clip are you talking like just like really drilling down on like, the start, start no the ratio ratio boys should be like a clay holmes or got like it, um got, got or like someone that's gonna like a strike like an old spencer strider or um who else like a jonah dome like if he's like if jonah dome's not getting his saves he's a ratio boy yeah and he's gonna get you like because the guy like that he's gonna if he pitches like twice like maybe he pitches twice for two innings like that's gonna be like He's gonna get you more strikeouts than like a one start uh, Taiwan Walker. He's, yeah. gonna get, he's gonna get you better. He's gonna be a ratio boy. He's gonna be better ratios. The only thing is, he just like wins, right? And I'm talking about Duran. Yeah, Joan Duran. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Duran Duran. <laughs> yeah, he's he's more like, but he but he's also getting saves. He's like a, a special case, but like I'm trying to think of, of of players that like maybe could get you like six innings a week and mm-hmm. like eight to 10 strikeouts and good ratios, but probably no wins. Like, like you start doing that. And when like, it's a balancing act, it's basically a balance act between wins and ratios. I think so then, so, so if you're in, if you're sitting in 15th on, what is it? Like the 12th today? Yeah. Like if you were to set out your goal, like in like chart, try to chart a course for this season, like where are you trying to finish in your ratios now? Like, in like eighth or seventh like can you can you capture more than that or like you know i I don't know like i don't i haven't done the math on that like i don't know how like in terms of like the percentage of the season that's over and like is it is it is it the same as it always been like i've pitchers thrown less innings like how many innings have you accumulated to 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 put up those shit ratios like yeah if like if you have like yeah like if i had like like dolo and fetty throwing like fucking like five innings and they blow me up like how many 
how many like like every in every inning going forward is an account for more and more rather than just like just having a collectively shit team with shit ratios if it's just like a couple innings of badness then um yeah it's like how many innings have you thrown so far yeah. uh, how, how diluted is your drink <laughs> pubes man there's pubes everywhere there's pubes in this in on this team there is for sure i got i mean to me just kind of i'm just looking at a couple of my teams right now and like i have some of the, like the, the highest innings that I'm at, I have a couple teams that are over 300 innings pitched so far, actually. But, it, you know, even less than that, you know, if you're at, at 225, 240 or something like that, I mean, you're on pace for like, I don't know, 12 to 1400 innings for the year. So, um, you know, if you kind of extrapolate out where we are right now, multiply by six or so. Mm-hmm. Since that's probably about how much how many months we have or by you know, like another five months. I mean. To me, that would that would mean that you're you're probably still okay. I mean, you have a lot of room to still fix it. Which to me, I wouldn't want to get into like weird strategies and like trying to like optimize other guys quite yet. If you have all of your guys still healthy or most of them, I would want to just keep rolling them out there. I think and just you know hope the results get better right now. Get better mm-hmm. pitchers. Yeah, this 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 team I have 198 innings pitched. Like the team that I'm really shitting the bed in my um, ratios. So I'm basically like last in the league, at like by far in innings pitched. I was just going to say that seems really low for innings pitched. So actually, you're not really probably hurt all that bad by the ratios. It's not as it's not as bad as you think, but like yeah. I'm, also, I'm also hurting wins too. So because I'm, I haven't thrown a lot of innings, so yeah. right. it could have been the fact. It could have been just like, uh, like maybe I got some injuries that happened during the week. I don't remember exactly, but um, I think yeah, I think I took a, I, I probably took a zero for I, I think Lodolo blew me up once, and then I took a zero for him because I thought he was going to pitch and then he didn't. So there's what, been stuff like that. What's the ERA on that team so far? Five point one three. Holy shit! Okay, yeah. that's higher now. <laughs> yeah, but still, still though, I mean, that's obviously just random results like that. Yeah. I, you know, I, yeah. it's bad, but. I'm in sixth place in this league overall. So it's like, I'm not wow. like nice with, well, yeah, with my, my, my ratios are fucking horrendous, but like the rest, like it's, it's, just, it's definitely a, a team that's still in play. If I can sort of correct these ratios. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I'm, t- I'm 10 spots back from first 10, 10 standing games points back from first place, but my ratios are like, like really bad. Yeah. It's early. Yeah, you'll be all right, Zach. Thanks, Rick. Sure. <laughs> Appreciate the, the we, your confidence. We gotta wrap this up. Yeah. We gotta wrap this up, boys. I uh, you know, I got some things to tend to this evening. Uh, we have a little. I don't know if you saw my dip. We're having some uh, dip that Maggie made here tonight. Uh, very creative crab dip she made. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna have that and crawl on into bed. So. What are you guys' plans for the evening? Well, um, I was hoping you'd be able to um, uh, edit this uh, episode and get it out tonight, Rick. Jesus Christ, tonight! <laughs> well, you can get you got you got a team there. You can you guys can edit it, right? Lou, well, Lou, Lou, I got Lou making eyes at me. Hey, I got a question. I got a question for for you and Lou. Like, since Lou Lou's a deaf mute, right? Yes. So does his like other senses heighten, like the sense of smell? You know, I couldn't. Uh, I, I I believe that to be true. You know, can you ask do me? any of you do? 
Well, I'll tell you this real quick. Do any of you gentlemen have cats? No. No. No, nobody on this whole goddamn panel has a cat. Is that a surprise to you? (laughs) I mean, I don't have one either. I don't know. I'm just, well, if you've ever been around a cat, if you open up a little can of- Maybe we need to get Chris Towers on this podcast. (laughs) Yes. I think he has, I think he has all kinds of little kittens, but- uh, (laughs) If you open up a little can of frisky or whatever the hell it's called, one of those uh, tunas, a cat goes wild, okay? They start running around, even if they're not really around it. Same thing from Lou Bob. So what we do is if we get out, um, I don't know if you guys have any lubricant uh, in your homes or I didn't mean to. Hey, I didn't mean to say that. Well. He smells the latex. <laughs> stop! Rick! Richard Atlas Poundstone, stop! Okay, I... Anyway, uh, he's like a kitten in that way. So, yes, I think you are correct, Zach. I think you are right. Okay. Jeez. Yeah, my, my uh, suspicion's uh, probably correct there. Like... He can see, right? So yeah, so you can like when when the three of you are in bed together, like he doesn't have any problem differentiating between like what what he needs to do. Or there's no sort of confusion there. Like I, like now the, he, high, the height and other senses probably helps him. Like for sort of like that's why I was like I don't know for for lack of better terms, navigate right. That's exactly what I was just gonna say. He uh he's usually pretty good at nailing it. Uh, if you know what I mean, he usually can nail which one of us is which. So uh. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's good. Yeah, he uh, it's new for me. I'm still getting used to this whole thing. Have any of you ever been in like a group, uh, you know, a group setting or anything like that? No, I haven't. I haven't, Rick. No, I have not either. What's Dale been up to, Rick? I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Mister Fishman. I, I don't know who that is. I don't know anybody by that name. Uh but I'd like to ask you, have you had any, you been any brothels lately or anything the wife doesn't know about? Oh. How about you, bathhouse boy? What have you been up to? Keeping my side of the street nice and clean. Okay. All right. Well, no, I don't know anybody named Dale, so. All right. Well, that's, um. this is getting really uh, intense. I don't. Weird stuff here. Okay, do you want to wrap it up? Does, does, maybe Rick can send us out with some sort of music or some yeah. sort of outro, outro. Like make it, make it some sort of make this podcast presentable and professional at least. Yeah, I can go ahead and uh, get the music ready here for us. And what it's going to do is double as the end of the show and Lou Bob's nighttime stuff. So uh, good night, everybody, and enjoy. I hope you enjoy the Draft Champagne's podcast.